Hello and welcome to Gaming Fix episode 114 on this March 28th, 2020. I am your host, Andre Cole, a.k.a. your partner's favorite work from home tip. I am joined today by Pat. That's that's there's so much depth to that one. Exactly. There's (laughs) there's a lot of depth to me. (laughs) Joined also by Alex. Uh, that's just existential despair. Yeah, that's you know, it's sometimes it can help anymore. to take a moment <laughs> to just scream, let out a guttural grunt uh, with your frustrations. Uh, it is six twenty a.m. and I live in an know, apartment. You can do that at home. You can't really do that at an office. So, take. Well, I do have a mouth, so I can scream. Oh. Good for uh, you. Also, Allison. Hi, uh, live from my parents' house, you know. So like a Trust millennial me, I should wish be. I was live from my parents' yep. house right now. <laughs> and joining us this week, we have a special guest, Jeff Davis. Yay! Yay! Hey, Yay. happy to be here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Animal Crossing clap. You can't see yeah. it, but it's very and frenetic. And you don't really have yeah. fingers. My camera is No, you have to slam your fists together. No, but your fists don't actually come out. So you just go, it up. And, and then there's like somehow noise comes out. So it's, it's, you're slamming. So this is like a real shake weight kind of thing. <laughs> invisible symbols. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so I don't yeah. Know. We, 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 there's a lot to talk about this week. It's news game. Games are coming out again, people. So many games uh, for a for like a month, and then they aren't coming out again. Maybe yeah. ever again. Yeah, you know what? There the games that are coming out. They could they could get us through a while, and you know, and games. That I know I have a big enough backlog to get me yes. through this. Uh, I could time. I could open a new game in my Steam library every day and play a new game for like I don't know four years, something like that. Yeah. Oh. There's a lot of games in my Steam library. Some, something like that for me too. Um, yeah, and one of my uh, impulses right now with everything that's going on and um, my state has a current uh, uh, shelter-in-place stuff is to go, hmm, I should pick up that JRPG. <laughs> and, and then and you, like, do, you hey, have to do the classic thing where you play it for four hours and then never again. Mm-hmm. I've certainly done that, but... <laughs> that's that's uh, like a special kind of hell. Uh, like, you keep starting a JRPG and playing for four hours, and then starting a new JRPG playing for four hours. That sounds terrible. Uh, no, but, but, but I mean, if you add up all the JRPGs over time, that's all the gaming you, you'll ever need. So... Jeez. You're right. Well, <laughs> like, time-wise... Oh God! You know this is yeah, going to be yeah, a week where we yeah. don't talk about a trails game. I think that's I, I had to mention it. Just yeah, you know, to right. get our quote. We in. almost got out of this. It's okay. Now we can add that as a keyword. Yep. Great. Great. <laughs> get that SEO, baby. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're, we got yeah, we got games. We got an anime. We got uh, we got hella news. news. So why don't we start with uh, Alex? Uh, you got a few things here. I don't know what you want to start with. I can talk about one of them. Yeah, I want to start about start with the one that you and I have both finished. Sure. 
Yeah, let's do it. Uh, did you? Do, I don't know if you talked about it last week. I, I'm a bad co-host, and I didn't listen to last week's episode. I I did. I basically my feelings last week. Uh, Patton, Allison were both here, so they can confirm Doom was Eternal. that I, this is Doom Eternal, and uh, my feelings at the time were basically it's it's good. I don't know if it's great, mm-hmm. which is pretty much what it boiled down to at that point because it felt at that point like kind of similar to doom 2016 but more arcadey i can i compared it more to quake 2 than anything else arcadey in the way that it wants to pull quarters from you if it if it could do that that's an interesting way to put it but i don't disagree (laughs) Uh, um there's so much going on and you can just like die and the extra live system is like questionable at best it's weird um and (laughs) i'll get to it but like just the thing that made it feel most arcadey to me was how you would go up to secrets and stuff and they would just be giant question marks that were floating around in the air yeah Uh, well yeah i they they had talked about how that was like a very deliberate choice to like be kind of corny yeah but it it seems like with this game they went a little too hard in the trying to be funny direction yeah like Like with the story or you just mean overall tone in general um not like yeah it's just in general it comes across as trying too hard to be funny like the mortally challenged thing like oh the mortally challenged should blah 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 from like the announcements and stuff like that gets repeated mm-hmm. so many times and it's like if it was once like oh okay and but it just they keep using it yeah i would say the first half of it or so um the jokes they go for mostly with uh the only time where i felt like it was actually it kind of had that doom 2016 charm was when uh they brought back in dr satan mm-hmm like that as soon as he came back and his just general uh like disdain for you came back like i was like oh yeah this is what was great about doom Uh, yeah his disdain for uh doom guy is very good but like he his part in the story is so small and you don't actually get kind of doom guy's disdain for him it's very (laughs) one-sided uh so which yeah. can be genuinely very funny yeah um, like yeah. just his complete disregard like i whatever i don't care that you're saying oh be careful with this power core as the doom guy just like smashes it with his foot that was like one of the highlights and early moments where you're like oh this game is just like taking the um, piss the whole time in doom 2016 yep. i think there are some great like little moments in doom eternal there are like some moments where uh, Doom guy has to fire like some big guns, uh, but like the safety's on or whatever, like the electronic targeting stuff isn't quite ready. And as the AI is like, okay, I'm booting it up, and the Doom guy is just like hitting the buttons over and over, trying to get it to fire. I thought that was pretty good. Um, yeah. But- is there any moment that comes close to the beginning of Doom 2016 where you ride up the elevator and then he? Uh, cocks the shotgun. Cocks the, the shotgun no. in time with the music. No, I was just not good. interested. They they tried, <laughs> but like the thing is, they tried, but they did it in a cutscene, mm-hmm. which yeah, felt like kind of weird. Um, I so, feel like that's the the like the the sentence of this game. 
They tried, yeah. but they did it in a cutscene. Yeah, yeah. Like overall, it's it still plays like when it's at its best, it plays really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the feel is still there. Like I would say it's super competent in that way, but it just feels like the game design went real weird. And yeah. they put like, in t- they put in too much. Y- yes, there's like a billion systems that you're you're yeah. observing at any time. Um, when I th- saw that this game had weeklies. That was when I was like, either this game is going to f- finally be the, the cure for the destiny issues <laughs> that, that I have, or no, which I figured it wouldn't be, or man, I don't want to play this game. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it's probably the latter. Yeah. It's like brutal yeah. legend. But I love destiny brutal legend. Edition. Like that was yeah. the vibe that it gave. It's- <laughs> yeah. Andre, I don't the- know if uh, this, another thing I voiced last week that I'm going to double down on now was I got really tired of seeing the low ammo uh, kind of notification. <laughs> like uh, I, un- I understand yeah. their I understand their deliberate choice to make you use the chainsaw because they want mm-hmm. you to have that be a part of the flow. Yeah. But like the fact that like when you start the game, you, when you get the shotgun, which is like your best weapon at the start mm-hmm. of the game, you only have 12, 12 rounds. Yeah, like and the encounters are usually with like forty enemies. Yeah, it's and, the and, like, beginning. Like basically until the end, um, when I got like the final up like ammo upgrade, I was like feeling really like strapped for ammo at all times. Yeah. But then eventually, like if you go back through the game, like because you can replay the levels and they mm-hmm. want you to, um, with like there's like master levels which are like remixed versions of the levels uh, you can play. And they want you to do, I think they want you to do those. That's why there's weeklies and stuff. And I think things would feel better if you go back through with like all the ammo and stuff. Uh, Or if you play with like the cheat codes on, which are like infinite ammo, infinite, like infinite ammo, overdrive, then like one hit kill punch and stuff like that. Um, So that then it's really fun to just like run through the levels and kill a bunch of demons because there's like no limit on your ability at that point. Yeah, but in the moments, like in the first playthrough, the first time you yes. get there, and you're just constantly running out, that was just not fun. Yeah. The middle and of that game kind of drags. It does. Um, uh, which and, is unfortunate. And, and I will say, the last boss fight drags like <laughs> hell. <laughs> Holy shit. It took yeah. like an hour. Oh, I didn't take it, that long. But uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm exa- okay, let's say half yeah, an hour. But maybe. like, it's, it's that stage, yeah. It takes forever, and the problem wasn't that it was hard. It was that I kept running out of ammo that I could uh, hit the boss with. <laughs> uh, for me, it was I couldn't figure out because it. So the last boss, minor spoiler, is you have to basically hit like eight different points on this big thing. Uh, yeah. But I couldn't find like the eighth part on the last yes, phase. It is, and I was like, what, it where is am not, I supposed to be shooting? It is not clear. I basically had to just like poke at it with like my, my weakest weapon to see, yeah. see which part like, turned red and I was yeah. like oh okay it's that one <laughs> yeah uh, so that, that was it not is, great yeah uh, the I, only thing I think it's that makes, a fun oh, I think it's a fun game to play but unless you like are playing Doom 2016 constantly I, I don't think you need to run out and like play this I think you're, yeah. you're safe to wait a bit and get it on sale I would agree the with only that. reason that I do plan to eventually play it is because of the um unfortunate and surreal moment when uh on the waypoint radio they were discussing like oh it's like the metal band that has a bunch of backstory to their albums and then 
Um, I then Patrick Klepek was like, oh, so it's the Coheed and Cambria video game, <laughs> which is like they don't nobody talks about Coheed and Cambria ever. Um, so it's whenever somebody mentions it on like a podcast or something, it it's like it. I get like sweats and like my heart rate goes up. So it's like it's literally like catnip for you. So yeah, pretty much. So I was like sitting playing Animal Crossing with an earbud and listening to Waypoint Radio, and then they started talking about oh. Cody and Cambria, and it's it's because of the sheer terror that one of the people on the show is going to be like, "Oh yeah, that band, they're dog shit," and then I can't listen to that podcast ever. Again. Um, oh, thankfully, okay. on Waypoint, they were they were kind and uh, suggested. Uh, that that Coheed was a good band, but uh, um, yeah. So on that note, uh, what did you think of the lore st- stuff, Alex? Did you actually like take the time to read those codec entries, or did you just skip over them? Um, I read some of them. I didn't read all of them. Mm-hmm. They were well written. Like everything. That's the thing about this game. Everything is well done. It's mm-hmm. just I think they tried to do too much, and then they kind of they lost sight of what made it fun. Yeah, so like in Doom 2016, there was like the codex entries got progressively more bizarre. Like they were in like multiple parts. So like enemy ones would be in like three parts. And as you got progressively further in, they just got more and more like crazed, like depending on which stage of like the demonic invasion slash possession uh, the person was in when they were writing it. Uh, so that was really interesting. It didn't seem like that happened so much with the, the stuff here, but instead of going like really weird and goofy, they got like really serious and we're like, no, here is the backstory and lore of doom guy and where the demons come from and like this other third race. And it, like reading the doom guys backstory was actually kind of fun. It's really stupid, but it's, interesting yeah, it it does still have a lot of stupid yeah which is which is good like it's very high fantasy like like bordering on like army of darkness yeah almost not like, that quite uh farcical but like i may uh, end up just reading the wiki top to bottom to like get all the codex entries because that stuff sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> it does like, not sound like a game I will enjoy playing. Like but. minor spoiler here, but like one of the objectives that you get is blow a hole in Mars. And yeah. like when it gets to okay. that kind of stupidity, that's pretty yeah. funny. But that's amazing. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the one thing that's made me go, hmm, should I pick this game? The one thing you need to do in Doom Eternal is blow a hole in Mars. Yep. And it should be noted you're doing so with a giant like moon moon-sized BFG. Yep. Amazing. BFG so, amazing. sounds too much to me. Like it's but, it's very well, dumb, but well, no, it, it, yeah. And then he uh this was in like the the preview oh, coverage stuff. Well, I know, but for listeners, this was in preview yeah. coverage. Uh this was like what the E3 demo stuff was. He shoots himself out of this gun <laughs> onto Mars. Yeah, yeah he does. Uh, so, like, that stuff is, yeah. like, pretty good. It's just, like, a lot of the interstitial, like, the cutscene story stuff they try to do is, like, yeah. I... My favorite kind of dumb in video games, and this is why 2016 managed to walk the tightrope, but my, it's, like, the scene in uh, Halo 2... I think it's in Halo 2. Yeah. It's in Halo 3. Finish the fight where, where he kicks the bomb. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. That is my favorite. Because when they wrote that, you know they were like, 
this is the coolest fucking thing anyone's ever done in a video game. And they meant it. it that was so like, cool. the, it is cool, but it's also stupid. Oh yeah. Uh, and that's my favorite is it's like unintentionally pretty dumb, but also executed with like the clarity of purpose of someone trying to make the raddest shit in the universe. And so that's why sometimes when I hear things like he shoots himself out of a gun to Mars, it's like, it's like approaching Saints Row levels of um, sort of self-awareness that to me almost detracts from my enjoyment of those kinds of moments. See, I was just uh, going to mention ex- Saints Row because like yeah. Saints Row is like very specifically. I mean, like I, I it's the antithesis of what you're saying, Pat. But also I love that level of dumb where it's just like, let's just it the int- the intentionality is like, let's yeah. go as far uh as we possibly can. Which is fair. Uh, it's a preference thing for it, sure. I'm not yeah. necessarily saying everyone has to agree it, with me. It works here. I think it like doesn't quite get to what you're saying because you don't expect this to happen. Because the whole thing is like, okay, you're going to shoot a hole in Mars so you can get down to Mars. And then they're telling you like, okay, go to like this transporter or teleporter to get down to the surface. And then you just like seat yourself in the gun. He's like, that's not a teleporter. What are you doing? <laughs> So, yeah. like, the that characters around yeah. aren't like, oh, go shoot yourself out of the gun. He, if the they can aff- Doom affect, guy is doing If it. they can affect, like, um, a lack of awareness for what Doom guy is going to do, like, like yeah. they do in 2016, that's, that's where it works, yeah. I think, is the characters around him being like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's you, just you, not a lot of that. Yeah. There. And that's when Samuel Hayden comes back is when you start getting that again. Yeah. Yeah, which which was when it was it got better. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know. Uh, the, if I was reviewing it, I'd probably give it a three mm-hmm. out of five. Well, um, uh, I'm going to write a review. I want to do some of the master levels and yeah. maybe touch the multiplayer, even yeah. though I don't really care. But we'll see. Maybe yeah. maybe it'll be really good. I don't the know. multiplayer is the thing I care the most about. But I well, think I'll tell you if it's uh, yeah. I, I, think I don't trust you. <laughs> you <laughs> like so fewer things than I do because you have so much more like concern for uh what you spend your time with uh, i'll do like whatever also I'm sorry i don't like the crew too pat it's fine <laughs> you probably have better taste than i do but look if i want to drift some nismos yeah. you, i uh, i wish i played more games and like dived into more things like you do pat i i well am, that's very sweet I, of you uh but in the meantime I'll have, we have I'll, a new game from Alex. Yeah. I've um, this game. Yeah, so I picked up this game on a whim. I had just seen it in the Switch eShop, and I was like, oh, this looks like a game. Because I, I tend to do that, where I'll just pick up video games without knowing what they are and doing no research. Um, and when you saw it, did you yell? Did you yell? <laughs> No, I did I not. I did, I did not know. I did not yell the name of this game, <laughs> though okay. that would have been an inappropriate reaction in some degree. Uh, but this game is called Stella with one L. <laughs> um, and I don't have. Thank you, Pat. I don't have a ton to say about it because I dropped it after about half an hour because it's not very good. <laughs> um, just as a heads up, but um, it's basically reminiscent of kind of a play dead game. So it's like a limbo or an inside. Where you're just mm. you're on one plane and you're going from left to right, jumping and grabbing onto things. Uh, except it's not very polished and also it isn't very clear with what it wants you to do most of the time. So, uh, mm. and I think on Switch the quality might be significantly degraded from what it is on the PC. 
Um, uh, the, P- the Steam page makes it look very nice. Yeah, maybe it was just a Switch thing for me then, because on the Switch it looks like crap. Uh, it might just be like stylized. Like it doesn't look like hyper sharp or anything. It just looks like the art is decent. Yeah, but like on the so, Switch, it was it was very aliased. Like there was uh, getting, getting a lot of artifacting, and it was just not uh, not the best in that way. Um, but like my main issue came from gameplay. Like I'm usually willing to sit through bad games, uh, like mm-hmm. Control, and go all the way to the end. And then, <laughs> sorry, but Jeff, um, you don't know about the long history of <laughs> Alex complaining about Control that exists on this podcast. Wow, the but, five thousand word right, essay about right, why Control you know, is actually bad. I have most of that done. I decided not okay. to because I don't want to be mean to people. But you still <laughs> need to send it to me because I really want to read it. That's fair. I can do that soon. Um, I think that game was what number four on our game of the year list. Yep, and it should have been number two. And it is certainly number two in some way, but um, (laughs) regardless, this game, um, usually I do have patience for bad games, but, uh, and I don't know if, maybe I'm being too harsh with this one being a bad game. It feels like it's a small studio. Like it feels like it's probably made by not a huge number of people. Uh, So I don't want to poop on them. Uh, But like, it's just little things where it's like, oh, I'm running through this area and now suddenly I'm dead because I didn't see this this colony of rats that was crawling around because like they're so tiny and like not animating and not really making much noise that you can't see them. It's like, Mm. Oh, okay. Well, cool, I guess. So then you die and then the checkpoint is back like 20 seconds and it's just like, you keep doing it and it's like, okay, I don't know what you want me to do. And that, Hey, that sounds like, uh, that uh, JJ Mac game that I felt like I had a lot of the same problems with that (laughs) and the bad controls. (laughs) Uh, well, in JJ Maxfield, it like it, the controls were bad, but like it was usually pretty clear about what it wanted you to do, and like the puzzles like made sense and mm. all that kind of stuff. In this one, it's just like, uh, well, I guess I'll just interact with the thing that's kind of glowing red and see what I can do with it, maybe. And then sometimes it just doesn't do anything, and then you die, and it's like, oh, yeah. And in the missing, you always knew where you needed to go. Like sometimes there, there were definitely puzzles. And some, there were definitely times where you're fighting against the controls, but this sounds this sounds like it'd be kind of excruciating to be like kind of designed to be, uh, just not knowing what to do, but you just keep dying. That's yeah. honestly, really not fun. It's the 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 things that make the missing frustrating are so like tied to its themes, also whether that was intentional right. or not. That I think it works in that game right and that's why i don't really care about the about the controls personally um because i'm like okay this this all makes sense as kind of an overarching package whereas it this frustrate like does this frustration necessarily come across in any sort of story or any sort of theming at at least as far as you can tell does being trans mean you control poorly with keyboard and mouse is that what i'm hearing (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is, that, is that what the bad controls are meant to symbolize yeah it's i don't know you you just didn't you didn't get far enough yeah i should probably go further with this game uh i did so, drop it maybe i'll go back to it you don't have to play anything you don't want to um there's also uh to kind of answer the question here it, this is developed by skybox mm. labs and it looks like they're a sort of second or third tier developer that this is the only their second mm. original title 
Um, it looks like they mostly have been porting and working on the entire Age <laughs> of Empires, Minecraft, and the latter lesser uh, high halos um, <laughs> of our generation. Um, so, like, we can, I, I, I think. On one hand, sure, it looks like a fascinating art piece that's trying to get at that limbo space, as you as you already said. But I think that there's, I don't know, I'm watching the trailer here, and it looks like it's favoring yeah. style over substance. And really what it wants to do is just have a very meditative 90-minute animated movie. Um, and hopefully we can, you know, get into this sort of meditation on apocalypse and maybe we can, you know, glean something yeah. from that. Um, I, I don't I, know. Maybe I'm being like harsh here. No, but that seems I like don't think you're, you're too far at. off. So I don't know. Maybe you'd have better luck with tasty lethal tactics. <laughs> their other original title. <laughs> T-A-S-T-E-E. Quite a different product. Is it Tasty? Ta- I think it's Tasty. 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 I can tell from one I can Pronounce tell from like one screenshot here on, on Steam that there are daily missions. So um that might be a service game mm. if you want to get into uh, more of their oeuvre. Mm. The last time they last time they released something for that was June second, twenty eighteen. So, <laughs> uh, but they have also worked on Age of Empires two, the twenty thirteen edition. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll get back to it, but at the moment, it's not really doing anything for me. Yeah, that's so. fair. Well, I hear this next thing you brought is doing something for a lot of people. Yeah, uh, let's get back to that. I need okay. I need to step away for a sec, but we can okay. get back to that. Well, so. we can come back. Uh, then, in that case, Allison, it's your turn. <laughs> you brought a few things to us this week. I assume you brought one last week. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So, do you want to talk about the new thing first? Or uh, yeah, so- Alex is stepping away. Let's talk about the thing Alex doesn't care about first. <laughs> Let's spare him the Animal Crossing talk. <laughs> All right. So Animal Crossing. Uh, I know that I'm not the only one who's been playing it. I know Pat's been playing it. Uh, I know Andre just started. I, um, I have finished the I first day. I don't know day. why you're doing this to yourself. Because my girlfriend bought it. She, okay. she, was, feeling, she was feeling sad. Is she at least she, the resident coordinator? Uh, no. So we switched like primary switches. So my primary switch is now her switch light and her primary switch is my switch. So I can play on my account on my switch and she can play on her account on her switch. And we just need one copy of the game, but we can't go to each other's Island like, and play together. We can like Mm. visit each other's Island, but we can't like co-op on the same Island. Got it. Got it. Got it. With one copy, which is like, why are you doing this? But you each have your own islands then. Yes. We each have our own Island. That's the way to go. I've heard that being player two on on the same switch is not enjoyable. (laughs) I I feel like I would get extremely frustrated if I didn't have complete control over my Island. Maybe that's just me being controlling over, uh, dumb stuff when I have no control in anything else. So, you know, <laughs> so how, how is Animal Crossing a weekend? Because uh, one day in, it's I don't get it. I I fine, honestly but. love it, but I kind of knew that I was going to love it. It's it's extremely the game that I need it to be right now, and I think that uh, I I just really like these. 
sense of progression it has right now. Um, I, I think this is one of those things where uh, a lot of people will either love it or hate it in terms of uh, how each day you have something kind of new to look forward to or something new to uh, jump to. So, like, for example, I know that my uh, resident services is updating today. So I'm just like, when I get off this podcast, I'm going to go see Isabel and it's going to be great. Uh, but it's just extremely relaxing. And I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's exactly the game that I need it to be right now, which is very good. Um, and it, it's just very fun how it keeps opening up new, new and new things. So I'm, I, I don't know if I have. It's one of the, it's it's also one of those games where I kind of understand if other people aren't in, as into it, but I I think uh, with the way of the world, I am just extremely into it right now. I have two words: yeah. strip mining. That's what's fun about Animal Crossing. <laughs> you buy a Nook ticket; it costs two thousand miles. It takes you about ten minutes to get two thousand miles once you're set up and rolling. You go to an island. There's someone there who's like, "I really like this island. It's great. I'm so happy I came here." And then you go, "Nice!" And then you fucking ravage that place. You take every last piece of iron, every last rock, every oh, last tree, you- every last fruit, and you just you just like sink the island into the sea and leave. Have you ever generated uh, a bunch of tarantulas on? No, I haven't gotten a tarantula island yet. Okay, no, you don't have to get one. What you have to do is you go to an island and then you completely cut down every single tree, pull up all the stumps, pull out all the flowers and all the weeds, and you have to break every single rock. So, like, you do that, so it's just a completely flat nothing. (laughs) Wasteland and then the spiders come? Because you're a race, you're removing all of the other uh, uh, anything else that would generate any other bugs. So there's only a couple more bugs that can generate, and one of them is the tarantula. So all right, I will try that. You know, the it only made thing, me a ton of money, I, but you also feel like kind of a jerk player too. I wish, I wish that I could get an upgrade for the plane that's like carpet bombing, so I could just save myself <laughs> the trouble of actually cutting down all this stuff. I just. Ah, yes, yeah. Dresden and then just edition. Have the plane uh, Wilbur fly over and just like <laughs> lay waste and then drop me off. So the thing that I have wow. learned um, over the past like week as Animal Crossing has been out is people are real weird about Animal Crossing. <laughs> like, yeah, there, there are people who take it way too seriously. To, to be yeah. clear, I'm kind of speak, yeah, yeah. talking in jest. I actually wish the game was a little more aware of the fact that it's a game about colonizing an uh-huh. island and oh, then sure. uh-huh. brutally ravaging the yeah. dozens of small islands around it. Um, but it's also very cute and fun. So, but like, yeah, it's one of the, it's. I don't think it's quite at the level of like some of those other games that are being unaware. But at the same time, I do it's feel not as bad I, as Monster Hunter, right? But I, this is exactly what I was thinking of. Uh, but I don't strip feel, mine and Monster Hunter. But I don't feel quite as well. But also, there's no like sentient creatures on these other islands. Wildlife to kill. There's just like bugs that are kind of hanging out. Just just fish and insects to trap in a museum, you know. You, yeah, you do trap them in a museum. I was going to say you don't kill them, but you do take their their agency away. But this, but this (laughs) game's museum is so lush and big and beautiful. It's better than where they were before. Don't worry, it's better. They wouldn't have made it on their own. (laughs) Not the movie. Not the way you played. 
Yes. <laughs> no, the, definitely not. Uh, the colonial back to archive. My point about the, like, <laughs> the last week making me realize people get weird about Animal Crossing is like there are people who take it way too seriously, like the time skipping and like I have to min max everything <laughs> and do it as fast as possible. Right. And why yeah. why don't you play the game you the way it was meant to be played and they're like no you have to play it with time skipping that's the way it was designed you, you like, were not last week that's right i yeah. had like you should oh man you should I, I had okay. a, like a rant about time skipping it was amazing like, it, i believe it like, started with hey if you time skip fuck you and then it was and then it went on from there like, <laughs> like i don't care if people do it it's just like that and then like the min maxing in general is just like yeah. people will get uh, like I thought this was supposed to be like a chill relaxing I, game like everyone say, like talking about like I need to get peaches on my island and I'm like why do you need peaches on your oh, island why see, does it just see, like, they look like butts that's why is that yeah. all is that literally it <laughs> well I mean well, also, you, sell for more. <laughs> also you want to get um like with the Nook Miles thing I think that it's it's it gives a lot more structure to Animal Crossing than it has yeah, in the past and sure. one of the things that one of the things that they are that you can get Nook points for is uh, each new fruit that you add to your island. So it rewards you for having all the fruits. Well, also, yeah. it's it's the other thing about getting all the fruits onto your island is that it's it's an excuse to also visit people, and it's also an excuse to, you know, kind of give you something to work for. So that's the other thing I kind of like about the, this in particular, is that they really want to give you a lot of stuff to work for, so that there's that you always can kind of... It's always very much... You can go at your own pace for it, but uh, I feel like every de- day that I play it, I am, I'm like, okay, today I want to do uh, collect this amount of stuff. I want to pay off this debt, which is you know fun. Uh, and um, I'm right now. I'm I'm trying to make sure that I can catch a specific fish before it goes away at the end of March. Okay, oh so, yeah, I have like four more of those to catch. Yeah, there's Ugh. one where I'm like, why won't you come? I gotta go but, fishing this weekend. Yeah, <sighs> but I, but yeah, I, I think, but I, I think that's kind of the thing that I really like about Animal Crossing is that I, it, that it, it, it really rewards different play styles. Like they're the people who get really, really intense about it, do time skipping, and are min maxing everything. Whereas you can also just ignore all of this and just let nook miles roll in when you can uh and if that's fine too uh the other thing i'll say is that um is that it, this is like the most wholesome multiplayer experience i think and it's it, pretty it, good in any game like uh like there's been stories coming out of because of uh various social distancing people ha- having like birthday parties and like even a wedding in animal crossing. And I'm yeah. like, it's so cute. Uh-huh. Uh, my, my sibling and I were playing it and we were visiting each other's islands and we were just like taking weird pictures in each other's museums. And it was just like, it's very sweet. And I saw uh, a streamer that I follow played a um, big game of hide and seek in the museum mm. on stream, which sounds very fun. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of maybe there's a lot of cool stuff you can do in Animal Crossing. I'm still only on day one, so you can't do shit. Yeah, that's a that's a thing. (laughs) And it's especially there are frustrating moments like I had one on Sunday where I didn't know that you needed to have the Nook Stop um, open, Nook's Cranny open. Uh, It's called Nook's Cranny. It's weird. 
I said Nook's Cranny. I said, I need to get Nook's Cranny open. Mm. And my partner was like, excuse me? Uh, It's uh, been called that for years. Okay. Yeah, I know. You and I know You're just new here. (laughs) Uh, um, Anyway, I needed to open Nook's Cranny uh, in order to get the... I didn't realize that that was like the requirement for... um, the turnip seller to come to town. Yeah. So like I was a day off, so I didn't get to buy turnips on Sunday. Me too. And oh, that's that fucking sucked. Me too. <laughs> like, and I'm just like, it should be nice. If I, I mean, my Island has today. had shit turnip prices this week, so it's probably ultimately <laughs> saved me, but, um, yeah, it's that some little stuff like that early on is definitely frustrating. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Once you get a few days in and you're in the sweet spot of like, there's more to get, but, it's you have all of the services to be able to kind of play as long as you want to. Mm-hmm. I think that's when it really starts to sort of take yeah. off. I personally uh, don't really mind uh, the kind of slow start because I think that it really, um, it, that that kind of feeling of it progressing every day is really appealing to me, but I totally get that it's not for everyone. Well, like the first, the first couple of days when there was not that much open, I, I just, did a lot of fishing and a lot of bug collecting so that I could be like so that my museum would be in tip top shape. But and what I've come to find for like the way that I tend to enjoy games is um, uh, and I'll talk about this a little later, too. But like I I like complex games that require a lot of explanation, but I don't enjoy playing through opening bits of games where there's like lots and lots of tutorialization Mm -hmm. and lots and lots of exposition about the things that I'm going to be doing. Um, It's fine if there's, if it's a narrative heavy game, but the thing with past animal crossings, and we've talked about this with, this is part of why I have a hard time with Stardew Valley is there's such a long for, to me um, there's such a long ramp typically between starting the game and being able to actually like start playing for real. Like I probably just need you to give me one page of information about how the game works. And then I can figure the rest out from there. Um, Whereas with past animal crossing games, part of my frustration has been like, okay, we start the game and then you talk to this person, you talk to this person and then you're going to, you're eventually in an hour in, maybe you finally have your like home loan ready to go. But then there's another hour of mechanics you have to kind of learn about um, before you're sort of set loose. And I think one thing that the slow start in new horizons does is it, doles those things out slowly so that every day you spend like five minutes learning about something and then you're free to do whatever you were going to do. And that had, that was very successful for me in those opening days because it felt like Mm -hmm. I didn't have to sit for ages and thumb through dialogue that was like cheekily explaining mechanics when really I just wanted to like go and fish. Um, And so I think that was, that was a positive thing for sure. Yeah, and I just I just personally like the uh that feeling of when I get up in the morning and I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's a new day in Animal Crossing. I get to do something new today." And I don't know. That it, it's it's I don't normally stick with games that are kind of like a daily uh you know, you know, checking things daily. Uh that's not normally how I play games a lot, but this yeah. I'm definitely like Every time, every new day, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a new thing. So what if Animal Crossing had a season pass? Um, (sighs) I don't think we'll have to say what if for very long. 
<laughs> oh god. I'll buy it but not be happy about it. It'll be called the Nook Pass. Yeah. Mm. Tom Nook will introduce you to an exciting new business venture of his. Well, you just uh, need, you, but instead of paying off it, it off in bells or miles, you need twenty real dollars. Do you think yeah, exactly they do like expansion yeah. type stuff? Like here's like a thirty dollar um, expansion to this game. Almost assuredly, I, I doubt. Well, it. I don't. I think, think they'll do a pass. I don't think that they necessarily. They didn't do stuff like that in. But uh, they, also yeah, but they also didn't have the infrastructure. They also right. didn't. They also didn't do that for Pokemon. But yeah. No, but they did have a history of selling an edition of Pokemon with the basically what this DLC kind of right. they accomplishes ha- for, right. for the like, Pokemon Pass. Like the Pokemon expansion is in place of uh, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, like that kind of yeah. uh, the 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 next game. So whereas I whereas uh, I, like historically Animal Crossing, like they had a big update um, for. Uh, New Leaf when they uh with the Welcome Amiibo update, but that was like a free update mm-hmm. that they added extra stuff and added uh Amiibo like, support. Do they add new mechanics and like because they'll have like the seasonal like event stuff, but will they add like a here? There's like new kinds of islands and like I, I, I don't know. You what, can turn your island into a metropolis. If I had to guess, I would say that they'll probably do a like. $10 pass that gets, that has a bunch of cosmetics on it. Mm-hmm. And like you either redeem nook miles to advance it, or you do some set of objectives to advance it. And then they'll roll in some free like gameplay updates on top of that. That would, I, it, I mean, Nintendo isn't always smart about how they monetize this stuff. So maybe not, but that seems like the no brainer to me rather than yeah. try to build expansions to create recurring revenue. Like, theme it around the major season over the course of three. Like uh, if you put out like a Halloween pass and made it run for the whole of October running up to Halloween so that then you get a bunch of costumes and stuff, that kind of thing. But that sounds like the, like the events with that they do during the holidays, which are free. Like, yeah, uh, I just think they're going to charge for them this time. We'll talk about, (laughs) no, but they, but they're already planning one because uh, we'll talk about more of the the Nintendo direct later, but uh, bunny day is coming. Uh, and, I feel like you do like enhanced versions of those. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So like a, you get the free version and then you've got the like, ooh, you, if you pay 10 bucks, you can get all these extra cosmetics. So, but also Nintendo online is a, this game is, is sort of a selling point for that service when it yeah. doesn't really right. have any selling points right now. So maybe that they're, they'll be content with just selling copies of the game and then getting people to buy Nintendo. It's online. also been a really big system seller and it's yeah. been a big, uh, um, online seller like that. So, I mean, I I think that there is definitely value in in going. Hey, here's all these online events where you can uh play. Keep playing this game. Keep uh your online subscription. I, there's definitely value to yeah, that for sure. And they could just stick with that too. I wouldn't be super surprised. All right. Well, I'm going to have us move on from Animal Crossing. It was, a, it was a good talk, everybody. Uh, good job, game. Allison. Yep, good one. Yay. Oh. Do you see what I there did there? There we go. I see what you did I there. Hate, I hate, I, I, I hate this. Uh. I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, I played the game Good Job. Uh, it was just uh, shadow, uh, announced and shadow dropped uh, in the Nintendo Direct. 
which and was also a surprise direct, unless you follow Games Beat and Jeff Grubb, yeah, who was Jeff Grubb, who was saying all along it's going to happen on the twenty sixth. Who also said for like a month that a fake Sony event had already happened that didn't happen. So you can't really trust that man. Uh, well, he was just trolling people on purpose. Yes, I know. He he published a story on Games Beat that said, "Yeah, I bet it's the twenty sixth. Yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> I don't think the PS Five is going to be announced in uh, February, guys." Okay. Anyway, good job. So good job. It's a. It's basically. Um, I, I feel I'm trying to figure out like the way to describe this genre of like chaos simulator, where you're. It's. We're basically it's you are a, a child of a CEO of a company and you're given all these jobs to do and you keep uh, moving up in the company. Uh, but you basically have to figure out how to do uh, uh, each puzzle, but you're also almost certainly going to wreck the place while doing it. Uh, so, for uh-huh. example, if you're uh, the first the first level is, OK, set up this projector. Uh, but to do that, you have to bring a projector from one side of the build uh floor to another so you think okay that seems like it's pretty standard but in the process you can very easily basically like destroy the whole office um so that's kind of the uh fun of the game is that you're trying to figure out how to do these puzzles but also uh there's just it's just generally very very chaotic which is uh which is fun so like there's there's also one where it's like Okay, you need to uh, make all of the flowers bloom, which you do by uh, watering them. You could just, uh, you know, go get like pails of water and pour it and, you know, make the flowers bloom. Or you can use like a fire hose and completely wreck shop. But you you made the flowers bloom anyways. Interesting. Um, Oh, hey, it sounds like a win win to me. It's it's very it's very silly. there are and also it's very um kind of physics based so like for example you can just uh completely fling stuff across with uh like you can kind of make it like a slingshot with uh with a like cord an and just cord, yeah yeah and you just kind of fling stuff across like one episode one part of the game i'm like hmm i could uh wheel this through the thing or i could just slingshot it across the building and it'll get there faster so um it's very that that logic very dumb it's very fun Uh, (laughs) from accounting doesn't need her like desk or the walls like there's one point where i'm like okay how do i get this into this room you can do like a puzzle and like with turning on energy like turning on stuff or whatever and i'm like no i'm just gonna shoot it through the wall and punch a hole through the wall and then it worked so, um, man, oh yeah, exactly. No, and there's like, um, so it's very, very silly. Uh, the one thing that I do think is a little bit, um, uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with how they do this. So at, at the end of each level, you do get ranked. Um, it's, it's just for the, you know, just for, possibly replayability and for ranking 
but you do get ranked lower for the more property damage you cause, which makes well, sense logically. Like, that seems like the opposite of what it should be. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> it, 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 it makes sense logically. Like, oh, it took you $60,000 worth of damage to set up a projector that's going to be <laughs> ranked you lower. <laughs> yes. No, it's that level of, like, I'm that's causing tens of thousands of dollars of damage to water some flowers or to get people into... Uh, like, oh, I need people to attend this meeting, so I'm just going to, like, punch through walls to get people to meetings. But it doesn't seem like it incentivizes. experience. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like it yeah. incentivizes uh, the fun bits, which is to just kind of destroy things. Mm. So I, I, at a certain point, had to just go, okay, I'm not going to care about this ranking at all. I just want to play this and do it the most dumb, fun way. Because... If you're playing it trying to get uh, like A's on all of the ranks, I don't know if it'll be like even that much fun because mm-hmm. playing it where you're trying to actually do a legitimately good job seems like it would be terrible. Um, whereas uh, playing it so that you can cause uh, vast amounts of property damage in an office setting is extremely fun. So, uh, this game has co-op, yes. Yes, I haven't played it. Uh, I don't know how... You should make your parents play a co-op. Oh, God, no. My parents won't. <laughs> also, I don't have my Switch dock, but... Uh, oh. Well. I forgot to bring that with me when I came over. But it's... Um, but yeah, it's... It's it's, it's very, it's very, very silly. Um, there are a couple of times, too, that the puzzles are can be a little bit tedious i mean not very often but for example there's the like uh water all the flowers level and there are like over 200 flowers that you need of water and most of them are pretty simple and pretty obvious it's just but there was a point where it got to be like i need to find four more flowers i'm like where were they where was that last flower and i'm just like trying to water the whole place uh Mm. and it it doesn't i don't know i don't know if i necessarily um loved the 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 feeling of like frustration of okay where's the last one but some of the puzzles can be quite good too so yeah it's yeah it kind of sounds like it's uh, scratching the Untitled Goose Game itch, but yep, as exactly. though as though you're playing like Todd from BoJack Horseman. <laughs> that's exactly that's beautiful. That's amazing, and I appreciate that. Yeah, so I think that um, the I would say the way to play it would be to just ignore all of the uh, everything except finishing the levels. Uh, you'll just still pass the levels. You just won't get a good rank. Um, but really you'll be having a lot more fun. And I don't think I, I'm only about, um, I, I'm only uh, like a third of the way through, I think based off of the uh, levels that they've shown. So I don't think that this exists, but if there should be a mode where you have to cause as much property damage as you physically can. Like the fact that it's not yeah, in there is like, exactly. You need like absurd. a burnout crash mode, but for exactly. destroying an office building. Exactly. And the fact that it's not there is disappointing because I'm like, I just want to see how much chaos I can wreck over this entire office, this floor of this office. 
Maybe they'll do DLC. Yeah, that seems like a thing that'll have to come in an update if it's not already there. Or maybe once you beat it, it'll be like, okay, now you've unlocked the super secret mode. That's why I said I I haven't beaten it, so I don't know necessarily, but it's... That would be that'd be very fun if that was there. But uh, it's twenty dollars on the switch. I don't know. I feel like most people could probably wait for a sale, to be honest. But it's definitely but uh, it's it's definitely if you want some goofy fun where you're destroying a bunch of stuff, it's it, it's it's good. Which DLC character would you like to see come in to, to wreak havoc? Like I mean, uh, Goose. Well, Goose, obviously, but like I'm also thinking like Doom Guy and Isabel as a pair, like coming in just <laughs> destroying uh, things. Ryu from Street Fighter, just do like the car beat up mini game. Yeah, someone goes, "Oh my desk!" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That would be oh, that'd be beautiful. Or uh, like uh, trying to think of like any fight scenes and movies where it take place in a office, but I can't. What, uh, you mean like oh. all, of, all of Die Hard? Fast and Furious. Sure, yeah. The Fast fight, and Furious. The, yeah, the fight yeah. with The Rock in it. Uh, yeah. Edward Norton from Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> just beating himself up? Yeah, yeah, just sure. beating himself all over the office. Um, I have to go buy liquor because I have to take a <laughs> shot every time someone says Edward Norton from Fight Club. <laughs> is this is this just a rule for life? Yeah, I have to. I have to. What well, it harms. I, I it harms. That. I have to harm myself physically for uh, the for having to think about Fight Club. Oh, <laughs> but, but, going yeah, exactly. the Fight Club way, is a good film. Okay, it is. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take a brief detour back. Outside the world of video games, back to Alex. Hey, he brought he brought some some scandalous stuff. I don't think it's that scandalous. Uh, <laughs> what I've um, heard about this show. So, uh, yeah, I'm children bringing, cover your ears. Yeah, bringing another anime, which hasn't actually happened in quite some time on this show. What was the last one? I don't even remember. But. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm cons- I just saw like stills of this show. I am concerned. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so this show is called B Stars. So it's kind of playing up Beast and Stars. Um and y'all have seen Zootopia, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So Zootopia, like yeah. if I was to describe that movie, it's basically people but they're animals. Like, you know, like they're, they're people. Cops. Yeah, like they're, they're people. Not people. Yeah, like they're people first, and then they're just kind of made into animals as kind of just a way to represent them. Um, their species don't matter that much. Whereas in this show and the manga and all that stuff, uh, they are animals first, and then they're portrayed as people. So, like, all the things about them, their species actually come into play. So, like, if they're herbivore or carnivore, uh, like their traits. So, like, the wolves have a, like, a lot of inherent stuff that like you know they see the moon and they get like psyched or like it relaxes them or whatever uh and they have a lot of instinct so like when an herbivore and a carnivore start interacting like uh the herbivore might have like their instinct to run or like just like they'll get scared and like there's all these crimes in society that are like uh oh this 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 herb this carnivore mauled this herbivore and it's like this murder murder thing um, 
so it it's not like Zootopia in that way. Um, it's really interesting. I think it's a really good show. Honestly, um, it's made by the same studio who did Land of the Lustrous, and you guys know my feelings on Land of the Lustrous, which is very, very, very positive. Um, and I can tell that these guys they they like making the kind of stuff that I like to watch. You know. Um, because they're stories with a lot of depth, and they're coming at things from a really interesting angle, and they're doing stuff by authors who are really interesting. Like Land of the Lustrous is written by a very private person. Like a, she's a lady who's just wrote this story about androgynous characters, uh, where gender plays a big part in the so- like society and stuff like that, uh, or being genderless, I should say, plays a big part in their society, and. Like they're telling this story in a way that's like relating that to human society, but they're not humans, but they look like humans. And this is similar. It's written by a lady who's also very private. She's much like Yoko Taro in how she appears in public. She only wears masks. Like she doesn't want to be known, really. She goes to public appearances because she has to to advertise her shit. Um, And you can tell that her story here is coming from a place of knowing. Like it has commentary on so many different things. Like, uh, racism is really huge in it. It's like almost like 1930s segregationist America in a lot of ways. Um, there's a lot of like things like feminism comes up quite a bit, um, and like the power of a woman, especially like if if it's a woman who is a rabbit who naturally does not have much strength and like is tiny, and people pity her because of her size. It's like okay, she wants so to be a cop, and <laughs> she's the first rabbit cop. <laughs> yeah, there is. I think they actually have one scene with a rabbit cop in it. I think that's probably pretty knowing. But you know, like like they touch on a lot of subjects that I think are made much stronger because of the fact that they're not humans. Like if you saw it as this seven foot tall guy, like just in a normal high school situation or university situation or whatever, and people are kind of like. Uh, ignoring him because, like, oh, he's big, he's scary, obviously. Like that, that would be kind of eye rolling, and they would make like they would try to do social commentary that just wouldn't work. Uh, but here, because the main character is this seven foot tall wolf who really wants to be kind to everyone around him, like, and like he takes care of a little bug, and like he likes his tiny herbivore friends and stuff like that. But everyone's scared of him just because he's a wolf. And then suddenly, there's murders in the city, and because he's a wolf. People are like naturally frightened of him and like keeping away from him. Like they do a lot with social dynamics, but because they're animals, it's it it is almost more relatable. So, and like another one of the main characters is a deer who you know deer is a prey animal basically, and uh, he's portrayed as being one of the strongest characters in the show because he recognizes how everyone perceives him as weak, so he wants to push against that. Like it's. It's really, really well done. I think it's probably, I mean, it only came out in North America in January, but I think it's probably my anime of the year so far. And I, I would be surprised if much went above it right now. So well, it can also be your stage play of the year because there's supposed to be a stage production starting in April. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> April to May in Tokyo and Osaka. That makes it sense. Sounds like that makes it sense, does a so. lot of like Zootopia is is a enjoyable movie, but part of the problem for me with that movie is the way it kind of like it tries to like map the different animals to different 
not just ethnic groups of humans, like social but groups like in general, social groups in general. And it's like too, it's sort of like, you know, you could just have confidence in your storytelling and you don't have to like make it seem like these animals are like a specific racial group that doesn't that's that's where Zootopia kind of falls apart for me mm. um and it sounds like maybe this is better about just using that space to talk about those dynamics without needing to map it to like human real life society yeah um which is uh very appealing to me because I like the concept a lot um but but was a little frustrated with aspects of Zootopia's execution yeah I would say Give this, give the show a shot. It's on Netflix right now. Um, it's twelve episodes. The animation uh, is beautiful. Yeah, too, it's so. Studio it Orange. Really nice. Studio Orange makes a case for why three D is totally valid in animation. Yeah. Like, but yeah. Land of the Lustrous too. Land of the Lustrous is also like that's a ten out of ten show. And this is mm. this is either a nine or a ten out of ten. I'm not sure, but it's pretty. It's pretty good. It's it's no, it's not pretty good. It's fantastic. Uh, um. Yeah, it it deals with a lot of really mature topics. Just as a heads up, like it, there's a, oh, sure. there's a lot of talk of abuse, and there's a lot of things like yeah. like sex comes up a lot, and yeah. like it's it's not a kids show, that's for sure. Like, but it's really yeah, right. totally recommended, uh, worth watching. And again, that's B stars. Cool. All right. All well, right. Uh, now you've convinced me. Uh, they have been waiting very patiently uh, this entire time. It is Jeff's turn to uh, take us on a journey. Uh-oh. I, I, I don't know where Uh-oh. you want to where you want to start with this. Uh. <laughs> um, so I'll go ahead and uh, comment first because it was brought up, and I was listening to Allison's really excellent unpacking of Animal Crossing and Good Job, and I was thinking while I was listening to that that Nintendo seems to be aiming to create games that almost hit satire, but aren't mm, mm. it's like, they don't fully commit to the satirical in the way that we expect. I mean, Tom Nook, <laughs> I mean, most of that Tom Nook's lines are pretty, <laughs> that motherfucker. <laughs> uh, most of his lines are extremely, you know, they're aimed as a wink, wink, nudge, nudge to yeah. the audience of going, Hey, by the way, this is capitalist trash. Um, But then on the other hand, the actual gameplay has you sort of complicit in the sort of simulated versions of historical colonial capitalist violence. And, you know, it's cute and it's okay. And I don't mean to yuck anyone's yum here, but at the same time, it's just sort of like one of those. Well, uh, look, look at it, weird look at things. Advanced Wars. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's nothing <laughs> advanced about right. War. Advanced Wars is a really, <laughs> yeah. That's I a think really good Nintendo, example. I think more than any developer, Nintendo takes the we're not political stance. Like they don't get out there and say, "Oh, our games aren't political." But yeah. I think they do their best to, like, we don't want to like rock the boat in any direction on any of this. We can it's, poke fun at it, but it, we're not going to be like, "Oh, yeah. this well, is this should- is actually like, oh, the capitalism stuff is a joke. It's not a critique. So don't come at us with like your we're capitalist." Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's oh, successful. I don't know if it's successful, but I think <laughs> that's kind of the tack they approach. Like they're uh, you know, they don't have like a oh, all sides, both sides kind of approach, but it's very much right. like 
we are we are not pushing a political agenda in this even if like you know some of the stuff they put in there is like oh haha capitalism jokes um well i feel like so much of their identity as a developer and as a brand is we make fun games for families and mm-hmm. i think that they and, and while you can certainly still convey meaning and messaging in that i think that they they're like if you ask them about that they would probably just respond like we're just trying to make a fun game um it, it, which I I do like the idea of Nintendo going more into the satire, but I feel like it's like them choosing to not lean into it is not quite as uh, egregious as some of the other developers saying, oh, we don't want to be political when they're making like um, trying to think of an example. Well, at least they're not making games about like militias in in the Rocky Mountains or something. Right, exactly. Like you, I say as someone who Fire likes Emblem? Far Cry, Did you play I like Fire Far Cry Emblem? a lot yeah. because I like going around big open world environments and checking off checklists and, and oh. right. shooting I, imaginary guns, but also it's it's better than that. They're not like making a dark trailer where it's like London, the future, a post-Brexit world, and then the next week publishing it's a me, a Mario. Like, it's not, not political. political. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so, I think it's definitely a lot less egregious. I do think that the satire in um, a Good Job, which is uh, not developed by Nintendo but published by them, uh, right, is probably the, some of the most explicit because it is very specifically you are the child of the CEO. The only reason you're here is because of nepotism and because of your privilege. Yeah. And the only reason that you can right. still keep uh, working here is because of that. Like it, it uh, I mean, it like literally says good job after everything, even though as you see the like level of destruction around you, <laughs> which it's, so I think right. it's yeah. probably some of the most explicit that Nintendo's gotten, but it's also like I said, uh, not uh, developed by, by Nintendo. Yeah, I think the weird thing about Nintendo is that they're also willing to censor between regions. Like, they're willing to yeah. change yeah. content Vagina between regions. That's kind of what I was going yeah. to mention like, But, like, not just, like, the physical things, but, like, what was it with Bernadette in Fire Emblem that they changed one of her lines, like, with an update? Because, uh... Uh... I can't remember what it was exactly. It was something about, like, how she was, like... Yeah. kind of abused uh, abused as a kid or something like that she was like yeah i don't remember like tied to a chair yeah. told to whatever yeah or whatever, yeah like, like locked in a basement kind of stuff yeah, yeah and yeah like so like that's my weird thing about nintendo is that it's like oh it seems like they're actually gonna do something interesting oh wait no never mind they're gonna censor it between regions because they don't have enough confidence in it in a way mm-hmm. which is kind of weird well, yes. but it's so some, also who's doing the localizing. I guess Nintendo has the treehouse stuff. But. And it's to yeah. some extent, though, like I'm not saying that I think it's better to shy away from ever saying something at all. But you could also have the Atlas problem on the other side where <laughs> yeah. they just <laughs> rather than carefully try to fix the context, they just with a brick go like, nope, we're just going to show everyone our transphobia, homophobia, yeah. sexism. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I was going to bring know. that up in that the, is uh, why are we talking about persona? <laughs> uh, I was also thinking about for the director, it in a localized version. Um, about Catherine, which they're bringing a switch. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's the right like, reaction. 
I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I, I liked it a lot on PlayStation 3. Um, I, and then mm-hmm. I would, I would certainly purchase it on Switch if it was less gross and transphobic. And, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. It'd be nice if you localized it or at least like acknowledged fixing that, which I don't know if it's, I think that there is a a balance there. And I mean, there's also a difference between like keeping in content that is like genuinely um, uh, meaningful versus content that is uh, straight up offensive. But I don't know that they could do that with Catherine though, because the core conceit of that game is just kind of, it's a, it's a specific uh, plot thread though. Oh, okay. It's a specific character. Yeah. There's a couple of characters that are treated dialogue around the, that that character. Okay, fair enough. They're treated very poorly in the dialogue in a in very specific scenes um that is uh very outwardly phobic. It's Yeah. Yeah. It's me. Yeah. Big, Big yikes. yikes indeed. Uh, anyways, Big video games. Um okay. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of big no, yikes I mean, energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of big yikes energy, let's talk about some video games. Uh, uh, so tra- my next point is good. Here, it can work for either um, of those games. Is so <laughs> in a matters. <laughs> right. Um so Death Stranding in the time. Hell yeah. So Death Stranding. <laughs> oh. Wow. Our profit. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> I never finished Death Stranding. Me neither. I, I should also play. I, I'm it still in Chapter Three. <laughs> I got yeah, same. So, no, wait. I'm in Chapter oh, Five. Wow. I'm You're sorry. Further ahead. I'm sorry. I got to the part where you. I the. I, I don't want to uh to 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 make us go off the rails, but I got to the part where um you go and uh have to like convince the guy's uh like partner, wife, girlfriend um to, mm. or like you have to go like About get the artist. Her. The artist, yeah. And oh, and I was God. like, yeah. it's really weird the way he talks about his daughter. And Andre was like, yo, yep. that's not his daughter. And I was like, this game is yep. gross. <laughs> and then I stopped playing it for yep. a while. <laughs> you got you to gotta keep playing that, that story because it gets weirder. Uh, that that specific side story. I got to the um, point where, where the, the girl was like, I need to see him one more time and left. And I think that's the last thing I did. Um, oh, she so well. the, th- yeah. the thing that frustrated me about that was I had a truck there and I couldn't put her in the truck. I had to carry her on my back and walk. <laughs> this, this precisely. Why? Why yes. Thank you. So, uh, I feel so. So, vindicated so how is right death stranding in the times um, of, sorry, yes. of our, Let's get back to your of our, points. Of our global <laughs> pandemic? Oh, so the the thing that is interesting about playing in it is that on one hand, there's the reality effect where I order pizza or I go pick up takeout and I go, how cool would it be to have that little contactless thing where I have the shutdown machine and that kind of thing? And then on the other hand, I have my prepper friends because I'm from a rural part of Michigan. And of course, I have prepper friends. And they <laughs> they kept, Pat, yeah. Pat's just nodding. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that yeah. checks out. That's right. He's like, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> that's how it goes. <laughs> and so, you know, that I'm seeing sort of the idealization of their lifestyle within Kojima's sort of bizarre universe. And what I've sort of reflected upon is that Playing Death Stranding now is 
I, I feel like there's there's some part of Kojima's writing which is not necessarily vindicated, right? It's not saying that like, oh, I told you all and you <laughs> didn't listen. Um, <laughs> but it's it's more that it's it's coincidental in ways that are mm. eerie mm. and uncanny, and that if you go back and play it these days there are certain scenes that hit way more that before they just kind of bounce off and you're like, oh, okay, so it's Kojima having a another slow pan moment. Okay. Um, where, um, what, what kind of uh, comes to mind is any time that you immediately find, um, or when you're, when you're on your way to a completely new location, not a prepper location, like but a new section a, of the map, an actual yeah. city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's this sense of the same kind of sense of bleak optimism, but also dreadful existential fear that I think characterizes much of the coronavirus situation, at least in Michigan, because right now we're under full, we're under shelter in place. And, I think reading the game from a pandemic uh, sort of hermeneutic, to use a five million dollar <laughs> word, um, <laughs> is it it makes the game a little bit more alive and maybe makes me a little more forgiving of the of the Kojima moments. Of which there are so many. Oh, you, I mean, oh yeah, you there have are. Not yet so, begun to so, experience <laughs> so many. I mean, when I first heard the word still mother, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, Kojima, what are you doing? Yeah, I had a weird, so oh, it's exactly I, when I, as I started uh, playing this game and started getting into those moments, there was a, it's, it's a very, I want to be clear that, that I had the same sort of cringe reaction of, oh no, what is this going to be? But there was a weird kind of like, um, I'm trying to f- I'm searching for the right word. It was like pleasure, pleasurable in a way to go. You're going to do something really fucked up later, but not in the like, I enjoy awful stuff in the way that's like, how bad is this going to get? Let's see. And it was a very weird kind of uh, like, it's, I, I want to see how terrible it is. It's like a self schadenfreude. <laughs> yeah, kind of but yeah. like, it, yeah. It, masochistic it's, it's very masochistic yeah definitely um but but then there's so there's so many aspects of that game that i actually like deeply deeply appreciate and enjoy even in some of the writing and characterization specifically the performances sure. that i had a very interesting time with that game where i'd like deeply 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 liked it but also there was that like it's like like I don't even know. I, there's, it's, it's a very singular experience. Uh, Cause I was going to say like, it's about what it's kind of like watching a friend who, you know, is about to say something in a room that is deeply offensive and problematic, but I don't enjoy that. I find that some of the most anxiety inducing moments of my life have been those situations. So it's not like, it's almost like there's a way to like deal with that anxiety via Kojima being problematic at times in a video game that I can experience one-on-one and reckon with you're saying things that I find problematic. I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. No, like uh, 
there's a catharsis not just in the storytelling, but also in the secondhand exactly. embarrassment. And um, <laughs> of course, I wish that he just you know didn't do that. But at the same time, yeah. knowing that he was going to, there's a certain degree of like weird uh, reckoning with a with a feeling that is like a safe space to do it in. Yeah, but it, but right. yeah, it's interesting right. to think back on. Uh, the reception of this game when it came out, specifically how everyone's like, "Oh, this is an Uber Eats simulator," you know, like it's literally, "Oh, you're just being a delivery person. Why would that yeah. matter?" And now you're and seeing the current situation where everyone's essential like, employees, yeah, where it's literally the most appreciated yep. or should be the most appreciated people are the delivery drivers yeah. and the grocery store workers, like, yeah, and, uh, and healthcare professionals. And health- but yes, y- y- yeah, of course, <laughs> I know what you, mean. Yeah, I, I know what for you mean. sure, like. But the the people keeping like society together yeah, outside exactly. of the hospitals yes. are the delivery drivers, the service workers. Yeah, for for, for daily life kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it's exactly. interesting. Yeah. Um, so the, I, I think that's a very live point, and you you definitely hit the the nail on the head here, um, Alex. That was. Uh, there's something really salient about Death Stranding, even though it's super problematic. Um, and even though it's probably the most stressful game I've ever mm. played, because um, I don't know, horror whale does something. To me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, that that's basically all I had to say about Death Stranding. Um, do you want me to move on to Game of Thrones, uh, or do you want if to you, talk if you want to talk about Game of Thrones Conquest? Okay, so I I, I don't want to monopolize. No, no, you're good. Oh, you're good. You're good. Okay. Um, so I, I'm going to preface this by saying I fucking hate mobile games. I am not a mobile gamer. I'm, I mean, Pokemon Go was as far Sedentary as Sedentary gamer, Jeffrey Davis. That was it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because I still haven't gotten over the trauma of the activator for the Sega Genesis. Um, <laughs> so... Game of Thrones Conquest is basically a gotcha game. It's a uh, pay to win. Sick. You know, it's one of those. Yeah, it's how it's much awful. money did you put um, into Game and of ba- Thrones Conquest? I'm not comfortable. Oh, no. oh, no. oh, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a it was it was a thing. Um, nothing nothing got turned off or anything, but it's one of those things that definitely hooks you. And it was one of those sort of theoretically like, oh, you you can do free to play. You just have to make fifteen other free accounts and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the mechanics are shit. Um, it's generally <laughs> just not not an enjoyable game uh, at all. I I, I basically I don't. I'm not following you. You're saying it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good time. Yeah. Yes, it's a great time. Um, but then I was expecting your typical gamer community. Um, and then I got hooked into this particular Alliance Guild kind of thing. And that's when everything changed because it's not that the game suddenly became good. It didn't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but rather I saw each allegiance, um, trying to practice its own political imaginary Mm -hmm trying to practice its own 
kind of domination, picture of domination. And all of this was relating to histories of interactions between players um, that were often going ignored uh, and sort of trusted by other allegiances. And, and as a, so full disclosure, um, so I teach over at a big 10 Midwest college and I teach philosophy. And so precisely this kind of like political activity is like, Oh, Oh, what's going on here? You know, this is exciting. I got to, I get to see, you know, people try to come up with different governance <laughs> streams where most people would be like, you know, Hey, let's go watch a movie. <laughs> uh, so, um, so I started getting involved in this allegiance and things became very hyper diplomatic and, sort of subterfuge and then there was, you know, people sharing screen caps, people sharing different dialogues, and this held for a month until um, the leader of that allegiance ended up having to leave because of health concerns and leaving us all twisting in the wind. And so noticing that the kingdom was still, the community was still deeply dysfunctional, what me and a couple other people try to do is bring about a different political imaginary, even though we couldn't keep up with the spending because I cannot stress this enough. The spending for this game is monstrous. There are people who have spent 20,000 real dollars in this game. And it's all best value. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) like i spent a maximum i think between student aid checks uh 300 bucks on just to get to where i was when i stopped um and that was over a period of like nine 200 days however many months that is so I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, I can't beat them in combat. I can't get people to coordinate and stop being abusive. What do I do? And so me and a couple other people invented some storyteller characters um, that would relate histories to the communities. But these histories would be encoded in fable and in story. And the idea was that what it actually was, was the diplomatic intelligence that we had gathered in the first couple of months in the game and then trying to deliver it in code to the entire kingdom, as it were. Um, and it ended up going somewhere different. Um, the community started to respond in different ways. It didn't become a not abusive shithole because it still was that. It's, it's a mobile um, game. It's, <laughs> it's a mobile game. <laughs> um, but people started to respond to myself and other people in different ways. And, and it became a kind of tradition of story time uh, every Friday or Saturday night. Um, and people really enjoyed it. And it reminded me actually, Allison, of, of what you were talking about in animal crossing mm-hmm. where people gaming communities create uh, sort of sub games within the game and then figuring out how to community bond there. And I I keep thinking back, maybe I'll write an an article about this someday, 
But uh, I keep thinking back about the political potential of gaming communities and solidarity and coalition building and using those sorts of spaces as like exercises for how to build a coalition, kids. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. It was it was a fascinating experience. Please don't play this game. Um, You've played it it enough for all of us. Horrible. Yeah, I've played it enough for everybody. And uh, but I think one of one of the key takeaways is that, you know, when when you can't beat people and change the environment in the typical ways, um, there are others. And I think that's really uh, kind of you can't win the game. Change the game. I had it. I had a, a, a somewhat similar experience. <laughs> a very good friend of mine um, was playing. Uh, I don't even remember what it was called. It was another one of those. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, they were like in a fairly high position in this guild of players. And I was like, I've always been curious about how these games work. Cause they always just look like garbage to me. And I don't understand how there can be dozens of them that can sustain themselves like financially yeah. um, and have so many people playing them. And uh, it was definitely a very strange experience and it was strange how seriously everyone took it. Um, but what's, what's kind of, and I'm not advocating for people to go play any of these games in particular, But the reason that I didn't stick with it beyond a couple of months was um, I went to, well, I could just be playing Eve online instead. Yeah. But the thing about these games is like Eve online is a weird game because it becomes your life to an extent. Like you, you have to log in and play it every day. Like you have to be doing things in it all the time. In addition to having all of those political machinations going on, whereas these mobile games capture a lot of what makes Eve online good, but instead of also giving you 37 spreadsheets to balance every day, it's like just tap this button, just tap these farms and get your food and then tap this make soldiers button and then tap the send army button. And then you can put yeah. it down for four hours. Yeah, it's Eve Online um, in microcosm. Yeah, so it's it's interesting because um, I think like the thing about the problem is that there's that paid aspect, right? Like the problem is that you can just buy your way to victory, which is something you cannot do in Eve Online. Well, you can do it with ISK, but that's capital that has been generated within the game for the most part. So it's like there's still issues of like capitalism and wealth, but they're far more interesting right. because they're their core to the game's economy. There's not the same external dumping of funds from an, from a, um, from an external economy to, to kind of imbalance things. Um, but at the same time, like I said, Eve kind of takes over your life and you have to spend hundreds of hours learning how to play it, uh, which you don't have to do for game of Thrones conquest or like whatever, whatever flavor or theme of conquest game you're looking for. But they're fascinating. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's for sure. Good. Yeah. No. Interesting. Definitely. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's exactly where I land. All on. right. Well, that is one game that is maybe eerily uh, prescient with Death Stranding and one game that you absolutely should not play with Game of Thrones <laughs> Conquest. <laughs> uh, yes. Moving on, yes. Pat. 
I'm going to let yeah. you choose which game you talk about because either one can lead into what I've got. So yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's start by talking about. Uh, gosh, both of them have their own segues into what you've yeah. got. Yeah. So um, we'll start with uh, with a VR title that sure. um, I actually picked up a while ago, but found that. Um, I had to kind of compromise on the visual quality so much to play it that I put it down um, because I had been planning on upgrading my video card this year anyway. And then I was like, that's that's irresponsible financially in the times we're in. And then and then Newegg was like, but what if there was a sale? And also you didn't have to pay any interest on financing a relatively inexpensive piece of hardware for a year. So I was like, all right, fine. You got me. And, uh, and ordered a card, um, and spent some time last night with that card and my Oculus quest that I, I hooked up via the Oculus link cable to play some Asgard's wrath, which is, um, was kind of heralded last year as like, this is it. This is VR's, traditional game yeah. uh, a lot of like really strong reviews 40 hour role-playing game experience and yeah. um i had played like i don't know half hour of it prior but last night i spent a couple hours with it and it's good um it's definitely like it it it's weird because if it were not a vr game i think it would probably be a like interesting sort of experimental rpg but ultimately not one you'd want to spend a lot of time with um, given that it's VR and there's that sort of tactile escapism to it. Um, I think that's definitely works in its favor. Um, but the general concept is that you are a like fledgling God of the Norse pantheon. Um, and you, the game opens with a very cool sequence where there's a Kraken and you're fighting it, which is not part of Norse mythology, but whatever they, they call it the Kraken. I don't really know why. Maybe they just call it the sea monster, but uh, you have to swing your, your VR sword at flying boats and you have to grab these like giant lampreys out of the air and squish them. Um, and it's very cool. I grab two and <laughs> I didn't try that, but you probably could. <laughs> um, uh, and then you, um, you end up, uh, under Loki's tutelage um, as, as this sort of like new godling. Um, and he's reasonably well-written. That's one how, thing that I think is surprising is that the writing is fine. It's how like, similar to Tom Hiddleston does Loki look? So uh, not, <laughs> except they gave him the same helmet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was their visual coding to say, you know who this character is. Cause you've seen those movies because by giving him the exact same helmet, <laughs> um, so uh, that that was that was entertaining. The, um, does the game come with a copy of Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology? It does not, although it does make me want to no. read that because that is a wonderful and ultimately much better uh, representation of Norse mythology than this game. But it's fine. <laughs> this game is like it does a decent enough job like it early on. You're like taken to. um uh, Aegir's Hall and like you meet Brock and Sindri and like all these characters that you know about from either playing God of War or, you know, watching Marvel movies. Um, and it's fun. Uh, and then you kind of get into from there the core of the game, which is actually pretty smart and is very much uh, the the way to 
I think it's like it's it's interesting because like they're not going to be able to, unless they make a sequel to this specific game. Nobody else can take this game's concepts and really make their own. I don't think without it se- seeming kind of shameless. But the idea is that you are traveling through this pretty enormous set of world maps that are the different realms of Norse mythology. You start out in Midgard, um, and there's this shield maiden who wants to kill Tyr because Tyr killed her brother, and she's a mortal. Sure. And um, so you kind of, uh, I guess technically it's not consensually at first, but it quickly becomes, you, you quickly gain consent um, for, uh, like, possessing her, basically. Um, and so you're, when you're uh, kind of running around Skyrimming, you're possessing these characters and she's the first one. There are others you meet in the different realms. Um, and they have gear sets that you're crafting by picking up crafting materials in the world and stuff. Um, and you're kind of moving through the world in a somewhat linear so far anyway, it might open up, but it's somewhat linear progression, uh, and going into different like tomb dungeon things that are kind of brief, got some environmental puzzle solving and some combat, and you're always accompanied by, and this is one of the parts that's cool and very unique for VR. Um, you hold a button down when you're outside of the dungeons and kind of on the overworld, and you turn back into your god form, um, which is like just you're like this ghostly, super big apparition. And so it kind of gives you the ability to look around the environment like it's almost like a map view, a very zoomed in map view. But you can also pick things up. So you can pick up like animals and squish them to death. And then you get crafting parts and things like that. Uh, (laughs) That Um, But one of the things you can do that Loki gives you the power to do is certain animals. Like the first one they give you is you, you pluck a shark out of the water and then you hold your other hand up to the shark and you zap them into being as this like anthropomorphic shark person that is also like a, a rogue in the classic class uh D D class sense um and their ability is that they can leap on cages that have corpses hanging in them and pull those cages down to provide a weight to like which will then like raise platforms and stuff it doesn't make any sense that that would be the switch you need but the point is this these characters these followers that you pick up have environmental abilities that help you with solving certain puzzles the second one you get is a you turn a sea turtle into this pretty badass like sea turtle lady and she can put a shield in front of her to block jets of fire so you can walk past them um and uh it all works that that stuff all works pretty well it's a little obvious at this point i think that i hope that later in the game it becomes more like you actually have to think about the puzzles. It's not just, ah, fire jet there, switch to turtle lady, turtle lady, go there. Um, Cause that's kind of what it is right now. But I think uh, probably because it's a VR thing and a lot of people aren't still aren't used to it. Like people who spend a lot of time in are used to it. I feel like a lot of designers are like worried about pull, piling on too many puzzles too soon. Exactly. Perhaps? Yeah. And I think it, they do a good job of, not making it boring, even though the puzzles are hardly puzzles. It's yeah. still like it's still satisfying. So yeah, it it's works. a novel thing to actually be able to like yeah. grab the thing and um, point and whatnot. And there's things to like it's novel to be able to grab your sword off of your belt and stuff. Yeah. And that's fun. Um, so far, my only real issue with it is that um, the combat feels a little 
I still have yet to play a VR game uh, where the combat actually feels like kinetic. Mm -hmm. Um, It still feels like uh, this, this is an issue that Skyrim VR has, and I have have enjoyed playing Skyrim and VR a lot too, but um, you swing your sword at the enemy and then it takes a chunk off of their health bar. Like you're not like swinging your sword at them and like cleaving them in two that happens, but it only happens the third time you swing your sword at them and their health, it goes to zero. Then it has like a physics based, like slice them apart. So you but, want dead Island, but in VR to an extent. Yes, actually like that. That's, and it does exist. Those games do exist. Yeah. They're just different kinds of experiences right now. Yeah. Um, this Skyrim was much, not built for that. No. And this is very much built to be more like a Skyrim than it is yeah. like those. So sometimes it feels a little ridiculous when I'm standing there and like swinging the sword back and forth, like, this because that's the most efficient way to deal damage to them is mm-hmm. not to do a big wide arcing swing. It's to like slash back and forth, like you're fencing or something because yeah. then you, the Travis touched exactly <laughs> because then you like hit them multiple times quickly to take their life down. Um, so the combat could be better, but it's still enjoyable. And if you want to kind of role play it a little bit, like I have a shield now so I can shield bash to stun them and then do a couple of larger sword swings. And um, for all I know, it might be doing more damage when you do the bigger arcing swings too. So uh, that stuff is fine. I have run into a couple of like minor performance issues, which seem very strange because sometimes it'll most of the time it runs really, really well. Um, and then, and I have a, the card I got was, a um, 2070 super. So it's pretty solid. It's not the top of the line. Um, and, uh, occasionally though, it'll have weird, like load in hiccups that are a little Mm -hmm. frustrating where everything starts to like get very jittery. The nice thing about this game that it's helping me do though, I don't know if it would for everyone, but I used to have a really hard time with movement in VR games. It would make me really nauseous to like slide around. Um, so I could do teleportation, but teleportation to me feels bad um, in like shooters and RPGs. Um, it works fine in puzzle games, but that's mostly what I've done is played like atmospheric room based puzzle games where I can teleport around. This game actually has smooth movement and I've been able to slowly progressed to now I can stand up and play it without getting nauseous for about an hour at least um, with the smooth moving around and not, and, and like it has snap turning. So you use the right stick and it turns you around and then you use the left stick to actually move and it's starting to work for me. So I don't know that it would be useful for other people to cure their motion sickness in VR, but it actually has done a lot for me and it has the comfort options like um, tunneling, which is where they, cut your peripheral vision out as you move. Cause that's a big one for people that helps. It has like the ability to turn off any sort of camera shake, um, stuff like that. So, uh, it's fun so far. It has a huge checklist of stuff to do too, with like side quests and crafting mats and, um, like there's side content to explore and things. So it seems like it is a very big thing. Uh, definitely. Cool. And I would love to see more games that kind of merge the, Right now, there's a lot of VR games that either give you the diorama look at a world mm-hmm. and then you play it in third person, which is awesome. That's kind of my favorite uh, in VR. But then other games that are first person, obviously, this one merges the two at times in really cool ways. And I'd like to see more of that from from other VR titles. Uh, this game has 
the install size is a whopping 132.97 gigabytes. Oh my gosh. gosh. And I highly recommend if you get it that you play it on an SSD because I have it on my data drive right now, which is a, a, a not a solid state. And I need to move it over today because it had like, I, there was like a minute and a half long load time last night nice. at one point. You think and that when, might be part of the pop in stuff? That it's you're possible. Getting? Yeah, it's very possible. Um, so I'm going to move it over to an SSD and see if that helps because it is one thing to like, I've also, um, I don't have a lot to say about it right now, but I've been playing some red dead online with a friend. If you want to get into another problematic barrel of fun, but we'll talk about that later at another date. Um, but, but, uh, also having a lot of fun with it too. Um, but, uh, that game, I, it's like long load times as well. Cause I have that on a data drive. Cause my SSD is, I need to get a new one. It's pretty small. I can't handle multiple 120 gigabyte games. Um, but anyway, uh, when you're in a long load situation and you can look at your phone, it's not so bad Yeah. <laughs> when you're in a long load situation and all you can do is stare at the loading screen where it's telling you like a two sentence story about that time that Odin did something. It's like, yeah, come uh, on. you're on the Oculus. You could pull up your desktop. So the problem is that, uh, this game is performance intensive enough that like when I pull oh. up the Oculus home menu, mm. it like flips out. It's really? like, the menu like is all like shimmery and like fades in and then the controller tracking gets like super, super jittery. So you can't really just pull up the menu whenever. Interesting. Uh, but I think I need to play around with some settings too. I have the Oculus store. I don't think it's a problem with link. The What's the, your pa- or what's your processor? It's an i7, like 6,800. That's below um, the recommended processor, Pat. I don't know if it's a 6,800. <laughs> 7,700 uh, as the recommended. It might be that but, uh, one. I don't even remember anymore. It's been, been a little bit, but, mm-hmm. um, anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good game and I recommend it for people cool. who have the, if you're looking for, um, something else to do, if you bought a VR headset for a game, we may or may not talk about later and you're looking for something else to do, uh, when you finish it, it is a, it is a good, uh, experience. And I think it's worth checking out for sure. Uh, it is one that, uh, has had me wanting to get a VR headset. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely, definitely recommend it. Um, but the other thing that I, that I dove into is, um, because of the, uh, uh, the other reason that I was interested in upgrading my card this year. Um, but I wanted to go back to the beginning of, uh, the, the venerated half-life series, um, which I think pretty much everyone on who listens to a video game podcast has probably played half-life. Uh, (laughs) um, and so uh, I had decided a few months ago that I was going to play Half-Life, original Half-Life 1. But then in the time since, I kind of put it down for a bit. And the Black Mesa remake, fan remake, which is like sanctioned by Valve, but made by fans, became fully completed, 1.0 and available. So I decided to play through the game um, with that. Um, and I think it's a really good, they did a really good job with adapting that game to some more modern visuals. I say more modern. Um, it still is like a source engine game. Uh, and it's still, the character models still look like the level that they were at in half-life two. Um, so it's not like it's, you know, next gen quality, but, uh, it's still a huge visual upgrade from what half-life one was originally. And the thing that is most impressive to me 
Um, they made some like tweaks and changes here and there to, I'm told that I haven't quite gotten to the very end yet, but I'm told that the, when you start going to Zen, um, that, that they massively overhauled the quality of those levels in terms of their design, which is great. Um, that's good. But, uh, those levels are bad in the original. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but in the, 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 the earlier stuff, I haven't played deep enough into half-life recently enough to tell you how similar it is to the original from moment to moment. Um, but it certainly feels like you're playing the original game. And what I think is most impressive is that for me, source engine game, not source engine games. That's not, that's not, that's incorrect. Cause Titanfall is technically a source engine game. Um, and apex legends. Yeah. Uh, half-life two in particular is not one of my favorite shooters from a, like you click the button and the gun shoots stance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of my favorite games because I think the narrative is outstanding. I think the characters are incredible. The characterization is incredible. The acting and everything, the writing, the world design, all of it is amazing. But like, I don't enjoy holding the mouse button down and shooting a machine gun in Half-Life 2 as much as I do in something like Titanfall, for example, really. Um, and I don't know exactly what that is, but I know that it's definitely something that happened in the jump from Half-Life to Half-Life 2, because in the original Half-Life, I did enjoy the shooting quite a bit. And I think one of the most impressive things about Black Mesa is, despite being a Source Engine game that feels a little closer to Half-Life 2 to play in terms of the movement and jumping and stuff, they still manage to keep like the kinetic quality of the weapons from that first game. And they managed to keep the like differentiation between them. Part of the issue for me with half-life two is it feels like in that game, the, um, the machine, I can't remember if it's like an SMG or whatever that you get feels like a faster firing version of the pistol. Um, the, the, the like effect of firing it looks and feels very much the same. Um, Whereas in Half-Life, the gun, the original, the guns tend to feel a little bit more differentiated. Um, And they managed to achieve that with Black Mesa, despite being built on sort of the framework that Half-Life 2 is built on, which I think is pretty cool. Um, And then I would also say that the other like really impressive thing uh, is some of the lighting work that they have done for Black Mesa. Like the geometry of the levels and the characters and stuff is pretty like you know, mid two thousands, but some of the lighting work that they have done is incredible. Um, like it's interesting. I tried the quake Two RTX demo last night. Cause that was something people were raving about for a while. I think I like the changes that they made to the lighting in half-life in black Mesa more than the way that the RTX stuff affects quake Two, Um, which is saying something because black Mesa is not using, you know, ray tracing at all. Um, so Definitely worth checking out if you were interested in playing the original Half-Life again. That game still rocks. The story is like, it's such an interesting, it's, it does my favorite kind of storytelling, which is environmental storytelling. There's very little exposition in that game. That's all schools and toilets. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite kind of storytelling, skulls and toilets. Oh yeah. Um, The the classics. I I, I have questions, Pat. I I have questions. I mean, (laughs) I'm kind of lying to you because I played... Uh, Black Mesa like four years ago, but um, I think it's changed. A lot, it, it's probably changed a lot you, since then. Yeah. Okay. So Black Mesa versus original Half Life. Are there like three scientist models? 
Like, mm, I think there's like four or five, but okay. close. So that's okay. an improvement. Um, Is do it they, though? Do, do they all have the same voice? Yes. Okay, so that's good. That's the same as the original. Okay. Is every security guard Barney? Mm, uh, so this is one of the ways that the places that they drop the ball, I think. Um, at one point, they don't really tell you the security guards names. And at one point, one of them says like, oh, something's up with Barney. Haven't heard from Barney in a while. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. it is. Haven't heard from Barney in a while. Must have his debts must have caught up with him. And it's like, you're just what? trying to be referential and it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, like, like there's another moment where you're, you go down the bottom of the staircase that you don't actually need to go to sort of a side area. Mm-hmm. And there's graffiti on the wall behind a, a, like a pallet that you can move that says your the favorite pizza is environment, a lie. environmental storytelling. It says the pizza is a lie, which was oh. just like, oh. come on, just bust you. Ugh. <laughs> so there's some of that stuff that's like trying to be referential that I think is not great, but perhaps it's so portal periphery. is the worst thing to happen to video games in the yeah. past. Um, it's, it's, it's so on the periphery that like you can ignore it entirely. It doesn't really, the, the soundtrack is by periphery. All right. Sure. I wish, I wish it was by periphery, but also the soundtrack does pretty much like fucking rip. Like cool. it's, it's very, it's, it's a lot of like, I don't remember enough of the original soundtrack to know, to remember if they just like use the same music or not, but it's a lot of very like nineties, um, industrial EDM stuff. That's like, like, and, and and then like a lot of like crystal method sounding stuff that just like kicks in and you get the like like that that like the matrix really 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 evocative of like uh like the matrix and stuff like that as you pick up a rocket launcher and have to fight a helicopter so it's 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 a it's it's a fun time it's a fun way to revisit that stuff i think the original half life still holds up and i don't know that i would say black mesa is like better than is the, the must Half-Life? experience version? No, I think I think it's hard to. It's I guess if, it's probably half and half, right? Because like Zen sucks in the original Half Life, so mm-hmm. maybe if you could play that in Black Mesa, but play the rest of the game in the original, if, I don't know. If you had a thirteen-year-old cousin or something who had just been playing Fortnite and never really yeah, touched I would video give games, them Black Mesa. you would give them Black Mesa over Half Life for sure. Okay, yeah, absolutely. I, I guess I'm just trying to say I don't think it's like for those of us who played Half Life One. Mm-hmm ages ago i don't know that black mesa is better but it is certainly the way that i would hand it to people now and i think it's worth revisiting now as its own thing it doesn't feel 22 years old like the original (laughs) yeah the the only thing that's kind of a bummer is that they they, and maybe they'll do this as a thing later on i actually have a weird fondness for um blue shift and op four oh yeah totally uh and they did not include those in this release of black Mesa. So I will probably install blue shift and opposing forces when I, when I am done with this and replay those. So I'll have a more direct comparison. Maybe they'll do it. It'll just take them another 20 years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, and it it is, it is just a lot of fun to revisit the, that, that world too. It's such a brilliant um, thing that like video games have tried to recreate the, the magic of like half life's universe and like Half-Life is like the doom eternal world, but like re but like, but good and not, not goofy, you know, like there's like tons of different alien races and there's po- politics happening in the stars that you're like, can't even comprehend. And yet it, it does a better job of like representing that stuff to you and, and making you understand that 
like just giving you bits and pieces. And then you have to kind of use your imagination to figure mm-hmm. out the rest. Um, so I'm very, with that said, I'm very excited that there is more half-life media that is hopefully coming and has recently come out. Uh, um, yeah. The, there, in fact, just last week, uh, was it last week? Was it this week? It was this week. It was Monday. Uh, half-life Alex came out for the, uh, the VR headsets. Yeah. The PC VR. Uh, I bet this game comes to PS5 at some point. I bet it. Does. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think it's going. It, it's such I, a big seller so. for for the PS the, for the PC VR rather. Yeah, but exactly. there's they want you to buy it, an that's index. gonna be. Yeah. But that's such a limited market. No matter what, like PC is. <laughs> when is Valve cared? <laughs> uh, I, since they put all the effort into making the Oculus work with Steam, because apparently they do all that work, and Oculus does nothing to make. Oculus that doesn't stuff surprise compatible me. with steam and yeah. steam has apparently gone hey so we've been doing all this work do you guys want to take it over and they just don't get a response apparently is what i was reading um but yeah yeah so i picked up a rift s because my vacation in tokyo got canceled thanks uh, coronavirus uh so as a sadness a spring break treat i bought a rift s which was that was coming in under the wire on those because they were selling out. And I picked up uh, Half-Life Alex, and uh, boy, is that a neat thing. <laughs> uh, it's like the first like real VR game I've played. I've played a lot of Beat Saber. I messed around with like Borderlands 2 VR, which I did not think was good. Uh, that made me sick, and that was teleport movement. That was weird um, and not built for VR in any way. But Half-Life Alex, pretty much from the get-go, I was it felt super intuitive. And part of that is the Oculus Touch controllers versus the PlayStation Move controllers. But uh, so the setup is it's five years before the end of Half-Life 2 Episode 2. Uh, Alex Vance, you're playing as Alex Vance, hence the name Half-Life Alex. And you're like 19 and it's just like a normal day in the resistance kind of you're on a recon mission, which is just you're sitting on a rooftop looking at the Citadel, basically. And when you spawn in the actually it's what Pat has as his background in this uh, Zoom call. That's basically the first view you get. And you've got like the combine ships flying overhead and all that stuff like at scale in the world is super wild to look at and with the increased fidelity uh compared to like half-life 2 and those releases from like 2004 how yeah (laughs) 15 16 years ago it's it's really something to behold and kind of awe-inspiring because i feel like most vr games i see are kind of like stylized in a way or like more cartoony like asgard's wrath that's 132 gigs and like high res and like good visuals, but it's also much, it's like very it's stylized. Still stylized. Yeah. It's, it's still like, yeah. you know, and there's like, it's yeah. uh, half-life Alex is noticeably half-life. Like it's, it's obviously half-life to that style, but it's just brought up to like 2020 VR mm-hmm. quality visuals. Um, and so the first thing I noticed when I spawned into the world is right by my side is there's a radio I'm like, huh? I wonder if I can like push these buttons. Like, oh yeah, sure enough, turn it on. Oh, there's this thing. Oh, I can pull up the the antenna. Oh, something's coming through, and I can grab the dial and I can yeah tune it. I'm like, okay, yeah, no, there's a lot going on here. 
And I'm like, okay, I start walking around, looking around. Oh, I pick up like a bottle and I can smash it on the table and it shatters. I'm like, okay, getting uh, used to all the VR stuff. And then one of the things that really brought it home was when I picked up a, uh, a, like a, a can wet erase her. Uh, no, I picked up a, a dry, a dry erase marker and I started writing on the window and I was like, Oh, so this is what, cause at first I tried and like wrote on like a book and nothing was coming out and like on the table, various services, nothing. Mm-hmm. And I started writing on the window. I'm like, Oh, okay. Here's what I can write. What did you so draw? I wrote, fuck the police. As the combine uh, were okay. raiding the streets. So I was like, fuck the police. Good, good use of the, of the, yeah. of the marker. Sadly, I did not have the uh, index controller, so I couldn't give the double middle fingers. <laughs> uh, so I just did like finger guns. Yeah. Uh, did, have you seen the video that came out of some math professor that was doing full math lessons on that? I, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. So funny. using the, the markers to do math lessons. Like, yeah. That's the, amazing. Yeah. It's so good. And it's just like, yeah, so as a first, like, true VR game experience, uh, or, you know, first, like, of this kind, I've played other stuff in VR, but nothing like this, and, like, the fidelity is just really crazy, and so uh, then, you know, you're going through your uh, your intro tutorial thing, and the setup is, once again, Eli Vance is captured. <laughs> Oh. This man. I am once again asking you <laughs> to rescue Eli Vance. <laughs> this man cannot stay out of trouble. Um, one one thing that was funny uh, in this scene, I I replayed the intro twice, uh, and um, there's like a paint bucket like right outside, and like I kind of toss it around outside. It's like, oh, there's paint coming out. That's fun. So the second time I played through, I dropped down into this elevator open it and there's combine right outside uh, and they're like hey put your hands up but as i open the door i just threw the paint bucket at them and it like bounced off sadly no damage or anything they weren't like what the fuck and shot shoot me uh but it did feel pretty good just like throw a paint bucket at a combine nice. soldier that's funny um, that sounds fun. did, did they ask so you yeah, to, those are like did they ask you to pick up a can and put it in that bin no <laughs> i have that would have, have been very good they should have done that <laughs> it would have been perfect i have one important thing i forgot about Black Mesa, it'll only take two oh, yeah. seconds. I can't remember if this is in the original Half-Life, but in the very beginning, you go into a bathroom at one point in Black Mesa, and there's a piece of, then there's a guy in the stall asking for toilet paper. Yes. And then you can pick up toilet paper and hand it to him over the stall. Uh, and I forgot if that was in the original Half-Life or not, but it is, but it's you, very funny. You can't hand him it you can't hand it to him, but it is in the original, yes. Yeah, so you can oh. hand it to him in Black Mesa because oh, it has all of the nice. physics stuff. Wow. You can even basically yeah. you can all you can even like throw it over the the stall if you want to. Well, anyway, that actually sorry. is a good segue into what I think is kind of my favorite part <laughs> of Half Life Alex. <laughs> what throwing toilet is, paper? Uh, the toilet, yes, yeah, it's to- yes. <laughs> throwing anything and everything. Actually, uh, so kind of the main gimmick is I don't know if it's the main gimmick, but one of the the thing that I'm enjoying is the um the the rustles, which are the gloves, which kind of take the gravity gun stuff. Uh, but they're like you know early prototype gravity gun things where you point at something in the world and then you can flick it towards you and then you can grab it out of in midair but if you don't like push the button if you don't push the button you won't grab it so but the very first thing they do is they throw a gun at you but that like is supposed to miss because it's like oh it's unloaded and then it fires it's like oh now it's unloaded but then he throws uh russell the guy who made him throws like magazines to you and you're grabbing those out of the air. Cool. And that become like mastering that becomes a major part of like 
getting through the combat encounters and solving puzzles as you're like, oh, okay, I'm out of ammo, hit the button, drop the clip, like grab ammo from across the room, slam it into my gun, cock it back, and then uh, keep firing. Uh, You do like store ammo behind you, but it feels way cooler to pull it from across the room and just keep going nonstop like that. Uh, So like, I think the combat has been pretty cool uh again as someone who's not played a ton of vr stuff but like the the iron sights uh and like having to like get the can the you know gun up to my face and like look through and really aim down has been um a neat novelty uh i've heard from some people that it's not like that new for vr stuff uh so i don't know i've heard like both it's like much better than other vr games and then it's not as like advanced to some other VR stuff. So I'm not sure where that falls yet. My understanding is that it's, it's doing a lot of stuff that other VR games have done, but it's just yeah. doing them much better than that's, that's my impression. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like, I'm a few hours in, I don't know exactly how I think it's supposed to be like 15 hours long. I feel like I'm like three hours, four hours in. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the thing I'm surprised by is how unscared I am by it because like I'm going through dark, disgusting, like weird bio growth sewer sections with like the head crabs and the weird things with the tongues on the ceiling, Ugh, whatever those are called. Barnacles. So barnacles. Black Mesa. Yeah. The barnacles. Uh, so and gross. it's like I'm going through these like they spit out skulls dark... when you kill them. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they spit out ammo. Ribs. They spit out skulls. They spit Ugh. out all sorts of stuff. Um, but I'm going through these areas and I like pitch black. I don't like the dark in real life, <laughs> like. But I and like you know horror games I can like get through. But then if they're too scary, like Half Life Two at the time felt pretty like terrifying and like Ravenholm. Oh and, yeah, that, like the that, that sequence fucked me up. But here I haven't gotten so much of that. Mm. And I I think part of that is because head crabs and barnacles are a known quantity. Sure. Like, you know, I've played Half-Life. I know what a head crab is, what it does. Yeah. Um, There's plenty of attempts at that kind of horror in, in Black Mesa as well. And I haven't found yeah. it to be even the least bit, like, yeah. bothersome because I it's so easy to deal with them that I yeah. think that's probably what part of it. Like there is like the frantic like, oh, I turned a corner and there's a there's like a zombie right here. So I feel like, OK, I got to back up and get around this corner and like, oh, no, I'm out of ammo and like uh, trying to put everything together um, at a time can feel a little frantic. Um, but so far, I'm really enjoying my time with it. That's great. Yeah, it's I. So there's something. So listening to Waypoint Radio. Uh, Patrick Klepek talked about at some point there's like a kind of like a Mr. X type enemy or like a big a big bad who you probably can't kill uh, and then like you have to stop yourself from coughing but I think I've found a workaround to that I haven't gotten to that part but I think I found a like in-game mechanic workaround to what uh, they were talking about because like apparently there's a mechanic where you like hold your hand up to your face to stop yourself from coughing because he's got like a poison cloud or something. Uh, is it Wario? <laughs> it's Wario, yeah. Wario's in this game. It's a crossover. Oh my God. Cool. Does he fucking die? Uh, 
uh, Wario gets killed by Alex Vance.mp3. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's actually the most terrifying thing that happened to me was a Vortigon sticking his face out of a door and I'm like, oh my God, I forgot about you. <laughs> it's like, what are you? And I think at the time I was carrying around like, you know, the the health machines. I don't know yeah. if they're in Half-Life 1, I don't remember, but like they have oh, the yeah. weird like bugs in them. That they, they don't have the weird the bugs health. in Half-Life 1, but it's the same concept. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. So just, I'm they're already carrying good. around this bug thing because uh, I didn't realize that you have a wrist pocket on both hands. I thought it was only on the right hand for some reason. So I was going through like multiple levels, carrying like a thing in my left hand and then a gun in my right hand and then having to drop the thing in my left hand to like reload and then pick it back up and just going through. Then I found out, oh, I can put something in my left wrist. Like, Here's Damn. how I know you're very deep in a VR game, because you just casually said the term wrist pocket as yeah. if that's just a thing that everyone has all the time. I keep my <laughs> stim packs in my wrist pockets uh, yeah. and my grenades uh, and the lifesavers. Yeah. Yeah. So it's also one of the coolest th- like throwing things in this game feels really good. That's like good. All the physics on throwing things feel nearly perfect. That's that's actually like the biggest issue with Asgard's Wrath. There's this mm-hmm. there's this mini game in the the bar that you return to as kind of like a weird little hub that you throw you have to throw axes at these targets and mm-hmm. the throwing is terrible. It yeah. like it's it's fine cuz most of the game you don't have to engage with it so it's not like it's it mostly just comes up in this mini game. You can throw your sword at things in the mm-hmm. full game but um it is like you throw like and release and then it like just throws it at the ground every single time like, uh-huh. right in front of you and so it's good to hear that this game has more yeah. natural throwing mechanics so yeah I, I don't know how they made it feel so natural but like one of the puzzles was like oh i have to throw a grenade into this grate and then it'll like blow up and then it'll open the door and i was just first try like oh grenade boop and then in there and i was like oh that felt really cool because uh, I don't think I could have done that. I don't think I could have done that in real life, but it was sure easy in the game. It sounds like the, it would be super cool if they adapted this stuff to some kind of a multiplayer thing. Um, yeah, sure. I hope somebody takes, I know that they've said that like modding tools and, and generally yeah. this, all this stuff is going to be available for people to work with in source 2.0. Yeah. It would be cool if somebody took like the core of this game and mm-hmm. made it into something I, multiplayer, I bet, the same physics. Rick, yeah. Rick, I bet they do. Uh, people too. are already working on modding in like non VR version support. But yeah. Yeah. That this game would not be anything special without VR. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, cause like the combat stuff is like, you've got a handful of enemies at a time. Um, like the the cool like it's almost immersive simmy in a way like the way you're going through and you're able to like open drawers and look for ammo and uh stuff like that but it's just it's a very much more condensed version of that kind of thing uh just because scale wise i think they were like we don't want to overwhelm the players maybe i'm not sure what the philosophy was there but it's not like these huge open areas it's much more like okay here's like some corridors with some rooms off to the side to like find stuff to do puzzles so you're not yeah i don't know part of what's so exciting about this to me too is that um i'm sure this game's been in development for a bit but it feels like they announced it and put it out yeah pretty reliably like it didn't sit in i fully expected this to get like 
old school valve treatment where it would get delayed and where you would be like waiting for it forever. And then it would finally come out eventually, but it just kind of like got announced and then they made a thing. And it makes me wonder if like they've brought in such incredible talent from people like, like your Brad Mears and yeah, the Campo, Campo Santo, Santo folks yeah. um, that are just good at making video games and know um, how to finish a video game. Yeah, exactly. And it seems like that what had a, a huge impact on this project. And I was reading about some of the stuff that some of the, the Campo folks were making are there, um, and doing oh, yeah. for the game. And they seemed like deeply involved with were there core like elements. nude teens off in the distance at some point in the game where I can throw a radio into the lake. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really weird reference if for anyone who has not played firewatch yeah but uh, it's accurate yeah. uh that's that's campo santo trademark right there um i hope that ooh. uh that this game is sort of a flashpoint for a lot of conversations around vr in general from like financial accessibility yeah. and um accessibility for using the tools um mm-hmm. if you're someone who lives with a disability um because it's such a tough thing yeah and i don't know if it's all all quite there yet like i really love uh half-life 2 um a lot and alex vance is one of my favorite video game characters ever uh but just the financial issues the space issues the uh i know a lot of people are saying this is generally better for motion sickness but i have ha- had pretty bad experiences with my PSVR about it. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like, yeah. there's just so like, there's so many levels of uh, issues with VR that I think um, should be like, th- th- I don't think that means that you should stop making games in VR, but I think it's something to keep in mind. Well, like Jeff, you had tweeted about something like I've thought a lot about like, um, physical disability as it relates to VR and things like, um, like, like Alex, one thing that's cool, it's not a total solution, but a cool step in the right direction that they did think about was there's a one handed mode. Mm. Um, right. So little things like that, but I hadn't even considered um, the subject of like s- sensory um, disability or conditions the way that you were talking yeah. about. So sort of things like that are just, we need, more conversation about them, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like when I was watching, um, I think I was watching someone like uh, Jack Skeptikai or someone like that, um, where just wa- uh, playing through Half Life Alex, and immediately I thought, oh my god, this my my partner could not play this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's there's too much stimuli. I'm, I would have a hard time playing with it because, um, so full disclosure, um, I have a really hard time seeing depth due to uh, being a stroke survivor. Mm. And so, like, I'm thinking about VR in this way of, like, all right, you know, this is pretty cool. But I keep reading about, uh, what is it called? The Vergence, uh, God, hold on. Uh, like the virgins, I want to say transmission effect. Uh, yeah, it has to do, I think that has to do with IPS settings maybe. Yeah, it has to do with IP, IPS setting, P. but then it's also IPD, like a bleed you. effect in reality. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Because okay. what ends up happening is you get used to the yeah. tactile feel in yeah, VR. I have experienced that back when I was playing VR like <laughs> daily. Yeah. Right. 
and then you just wang your head or your head, your hand mm-hmm. on or your head, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wherever you go. Um, and then I think around the time that I was sort of thinking this through, Nathan Grayson on Kotaku uh, published this fascinating yet horrifying article uh, called uh, Playing Nothing But Half-Life Alex in VR Made Me Hallucinate. Um, (laughs) and speaking to that piece, Andre, did you hallucinate? Are you, are you Uh, there yet? (laughs) I have not put that much time in like a single session into the game. Uh, it's broken up into like fairly digestible chunks, I'd say. Okay. Um, and so usually like if I finish a level or level or two, I'll like take a quick break, check messages or something, um, make sure I'm not like missing something from the girlfriend. And also I've tried to play mostly when my girlfriend's been out, uh, just to, uh, you know, make sure I'm being attentive to her, but she starts up work on Monday. So I'm going to actually dive back in and probably put in a lot of time the rest of this week, try and finish it. I will say kind of to that, like, it's not the same as hallucinating, but it is to that effect you're talking about. There was a period when, um, a bit of a time after the Vive came out, um, but I found myself living in an entire house by myself, um, in like a a small, Mm -hmm. but still three bedroom house, um, because my roommate at the time, uh, ended up buying a house. So they like moved out, even though we had signed the lease together for a year. So I had this apartment for like eight months or this house for eight months. And I was the only one living in it. So I made one of the rooms into a Vive room naturally, um, which just like had my computer tower and then a monitor sitting on top of it. And then the <laughs> Vive. And that was like the whole room. So I could move around this whole space. And I played VR like seven days a week for hours. It was basically like I was either working or playing VR because I was single at the time and frankly, like suffering from like depression worse than I had in other parts of my life. So I kind of just shut people out and lived in VR a lot. And, um, one, not real good for treating depression. I will say, um, it's a good escapism. I would say limit your time in VR, (laughs) um, as fun as it is Two, I will say it did breed the best moment in VR that I've ever had, which was I was playing job simulator and I was having a very good time and I had to um, get down on the ground to pick up something that I had dropped in the restaurant bit of a job simulator. Mm -hmm. And then I tried to get back up by putting my hand on the countertop, which wasn't there in the physical Mm -hmm. world, but I definitely committed fully to, so then I just like face planted and then I started laughing and then I sat up and then proceeded to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I can say that there, that there, that sometimes um, being fully convinced that you're in that space is, is, uh, has has moments. But Uh, I've, um, but I've, had like brief moments where I've felt like, okay, I'm going to grab this thing. Oh wait, that thing's not there. What I think is so hard about this stuff too, is um, like I, I, if I had to guess, I would knowing having listened to and followed a lot of the folks that worked on half-life Alex, I'm sure that it is not a lack of care that it contributes to the issues and difficulties surrounding accessing this game for so many people, whether it's because of, um, disability or, or just because the stuff is expensive to get. But what is challenging is that, um, 
because of the financial barrier, it's so hard to put the tools in the hands of people who know how to solve those problems or who could yeah. figure out how to solve those problems, right. um, which is what is the most necessary to fix them. So I really hope that, and I think Valve is in such a unique position to be able to do this because they have such a cushion of cash to be able to invest. Um, I think it would be so great if they were to invest in real um, in really leading the industry in like developing these tools to fit for people with different abilities across the spectrum. Um, so I don't know. Hope, I'm really, really at this point, I'm still in the hopeful optimism phase that Alex is the thing that kind of starts that conversation in earnest. Um, we'll see if that we'll get back to that in six months. <laughs> see, let's see where we're yeah. at. Yeah. Considering that, uh, a lot of us disabled folk, we're, uh, we're a little, uh, endangered at the moment. We'll, yeah. we'll put it that yeah. way. Cause this whole, like you must, you have to sacrifice your life for the Dow line. Yeah. Um, yeah. Apologies. Oh. My cat <laughs> is being There's frequent animal guests on, yeah. on this show. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, and I think to that point, like I would be so fascinated to hear, even if your takeaway was, mm. this is too much. The, the, it's difficult to perceive depth or whatever it may be, but I can't ask you to spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars yeah. to get there to that point. So um, yeah. that's, I think kind of what I'm getting at is I just wish that there was a way for people who have the ability to lead that conversation, to have access to the yeah. tools to do it. Um, and I don't know how you do that. I'm not, that's I'm not, I'm not I, I mean I, I guess good like, at that logistics but it, it, I, I it could be I it's it's I don't want to say it's simple but like there are places like able gamers where it's like right. hey FYI go like I, I I kind of side eye any major publisher or developer that doesn't work with able gamers uh, of course and that right. includes Nintendo who I play a yeah. lot of like I, I I love Nintendo games, but that is like my biggest issue with them is that they don't more actively work with that. So like I I think um like there's work with VR and I, it's 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 so hard with VR, but I, there are places like like that where you can at least make a start to make things yeah. more accessible. Yeah, and uh, I just hope that there's still a a push uh an industry push to get people to to do that yeah. and that it doesn't just get lost in a few months after this game isn't, you know, doing numbers for headlines and stuff. Mm-hmm. And of course the push has to come from valve too. I'm not trying to like right. shift responsibility off right. of them. They're the ones the who make the thing and make the hardware that they make the lead hardware that the game is promoted on and they make the game. So it's really yeah. the impetus is on them to, to yeah. create that. So hopefully now is this to your point, Jeff, now is this particularly difficult time to ask, um, Anyone, especially <laughs> folks living with disability, to come down to Bellevue and the epicenter yeah. of <laughs> yeah. the the Corona outbreak and uh, and and start doing work. But hopefully that happens once. Um, if it, I'm going to say once we get through all of this, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, that is Half Life, Alex, uh, and now at a nice balmy two hours and what 15 minutes into our uh, podcast <laughs> that uh, news is always faster than the games yeah, we'll see uh, and again, there, there is a lot of news, news but yeah uh, i think half yeah, of this we can we can we can sum up in two words but 
I'm not a gonna, uh, direct I'm not gonna railroad. No, <laughs> that's not what I was talking about. No. Well, yeah, let's get into the oh, news. Uh, this is my second time talking about a lot of this news this week, but uh, all right, let's start off with uh, a couple news stories about everybody's favorite game retailer, oh boy. GameStop. And those two words were "fuck GameStop." Moving yeah, on. I think we were saying that last week, weren't we? Yeah. We oh did. yeah, that yeah. One hundred percent, and it's still it's still valid today. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's that whole plastic bag around the hands thing. Oh yeah. I mean, yes. Oh, it's, it's, it's a three-part story. <laughs> yeah. So last week, I believe we were at the point where GameStop was saying we are a essential business, uh, essential an retail. essential business because we sell things that businesses can use, like microphones and headphones for work from home. Uh, no. <laughs> nobody's going to GameStop to buy a turtle beach so they can call into their zoom call for I f- work. I feel weird about my business being called an essential business and we sell appliances and grocery and, and a specific grocery yeah. item, but still grocery item. Yeah. So uh, if I feel weird about it, <laughs> GameStop yeah. should. Oh, well the, uh, the employees I'm sure were feeling weird about yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, but eventually they were forced or decided it's unclear. There was a story that Pennsylvania like revoked their business license, but then it sounds like that wasn't true. Anyway, uh, they eventually closed all their stores at some point this week and then doing only like curbside pickup or whatever, I believe. And now uh, they're permanently closing 320 stores. uh, They announced this week. I wonder how much of this is actually because of coronavirus and how much of this is like fiscal year end. I'm guessing what, it's like not much at all, but about coronavirus. Yeah. This is something they needed to do anyway yeah. as part of restructuring it, it, the company. I think this was just, they were at a very delicate balance and yep. all of this just sent all of their projections straight downwards and they're like, nope. Okay. Cutting the cord. Yep. Yep. I, I, I talked about it briefly last week, but the biggest problem that GameStop has had well, the biggest business problem that GameStop has had uh, is that there's just the the, the saturation was just mm-hmm. off the charts. Yeah. And like like I I it's a bit of a I'll say it quickly, but like when I was working at the GameStop that I worked at in Ann Arbor, Michigan, there were like five GameStops within a ten minute drive of each other. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. what's the point? Um, the, yeah, it was it was it was bad. But um, but so Andre. The first part was that they came to their senses and they closed the retail stores. The second part was that they yeah. permanently closed 320 stores. What was the third the part? The third part, GameStop apparently told employees to go back to work. I have to sneeze. <laughs> I'm allergic to bullshit. Yeah. Uh, go back to work and just wrap a plastic bag around one of their hands and allow customers to make purchases at the door. Yep. So they take the credit card with the plastic bag hand. Into, yeah. <laughs> into the plague den. No offense to GameStop. Just do online purchases only, like online in-store pickup only. Like if you're going to go to that point. It's like, so dumb. <laughs> So profound. Plastic bags are known for being sanitary. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you're reusing the same one over and over. Which yeah. I'm sure they were definitely not doing because I'm sure that GameStop provided them with many plastic bags. Oh, I mean, they have reuse. plastic bags in the store, probably. I'm sure they were encouraged to use them a different one every time and not use the same oh, one yeah. over and over yeah. again. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, hey, fuck GameStop. Hey, yep. Yep. We can still stand yep. by that one. Yeah. Up until like two weeks ago, I was still very much in the like, 
Well, you know, if a small rural town in Arkansas has a place to go well, play Dungeons and Dragons because of the way they're rebranding, that's, that's great. Literally, now that's, I'm just like fully fucking stop. That's, just that's literally a conversation we were thing. having two weeks ago because of Reggie joining. Yeah. We were like, oh yeah, maybe exactly. maybe they'll turn yeah. it around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nope. I mean, hopefully they, they'll die, and then there can be local game stores that arise in their place. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This like this whole corporate thing is uh, Reggie still isn't like officially on board. I believe like he comes on next month. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> good luck. Well, good luck, boy. And it, it, if uh, if the company is still around, yeah. it's important to also keep in mind um, he is one person. On he's a, one person on the board, yeah. and like the actions of the company don't necessarily reflect him. That's true. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not saying you have to cancel Reggie uh, for for being a part of that organization. Now cancel him for the Bigfoot Pizza. <laughs> That's like the seventh time you've made that reference on this podcast. <laughs> I don't think I, 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 I ever I believe, talked about a Bigfoot pizza prior to this year. I believe on this he has admitted it was a failure. So I'm just, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's my only thing with Reggie's Bigfoot pizza. I, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I've said it before, I, I'm not like as enamored with Reggie as uh, many people are. I, he, he seems like a nice guy, but he also, I am just kind of like weirded out by him. He's, I don't know. We, he's got chaotic energy and I don't know if I like it. <laughs> Um, all there's right. something hiding behind those 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 deep pools. <laughs> his eyes. Oh, thank you. That's that. Wow. <laughs> pools of blood that he bathes in. <laughs> this went a little Elizabeth Bathory. Okay. Uh, yeah. right. What's next, Andre? Well, speaking uh, speaking <laughs> of Reggie, his and his employers, uh, his former employer, Nintendo. Uh, dropped a mini direct on th- Thursday, Friday, Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. whenever 26th. Jeff Grubb said it was going to be <laughs> when Jeff Grubb says it'll be, that's when the direct is. Do you, do, do you think he got the tip from hot video girl 69? <laughs> uh, maybe that's the oh God. Uh, they also were, I was going to say Google that, but Googling that's not going to, to help you, you um, search it on Twitter. Just yeah, look for on, Matt Rory's ads. And- <laughs> yes, <laughs> look for the ads of one Matthew Rory, and you'll find. Uh, anyway, yeah. So they announced a whole bunch of ports and a, a few new games uh, coming to the Nintendo Switch, yep. or like dates for ports that were known on some of them. Yeah, and uh, there was a little like, bit more information too. Like, but there was like Bioshock Borderlands and XCOM, right? There was those three. From yep. 2K? Yep, that's, that's like Xenoblade. nine of the games right there. And Xenoblade. One day we'll yeah. hit the I mean, literally, that is nine But um, I don't know. I think that oh. there is... It's not necessarily the most exciting Direct, but at the same time, I know that people were just like, where's Direct, Nintendo? So, you know, went yeah. for it. People are just starved for any news from Nintendo at all times for some reason. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's like, and it's weird in my opinion. It's going to be in a week. People are going to be like, when's the next direct Nintendo? Uh, Yeah. Uh, But (laughs) exactly. But like, I I don't know. Like I, some of the, well, this was a mini. They want a full. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Not good enough. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, but I I don't know. Like, I know that you weren't very impressed, but there was a lot of stuff in there that I'm like, I'd, I'd play that. And, yeah, like I mean, I like, want the Nintendo games, and there was nothing in there that was like there was like our arms. I don't know. I, 
uh, there was arms is free for nintendo switch online subscribers which i installed a trial a I'm trial is finally try arms I, i've already tried arms <laughs> uh, in right. the past that's all right i don't so know he I still have because arms. he really loves arms <laughs> you do it's have, all right you do have arms uh, yeah for now um, um <laughs> xenoblade chronicles uh I'm excited about that because yeah. I never I played a little bit of it on 3ds and went I don't want to play this game on 3ds mm-hmm. yeah. and then have just been waiting ever since. Uh, I played a lot of two, but uh, or, the first one's very different actually. Or, do you know, mm-hmm. Chronicles X to Switch, you yeah. coward. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that'll happen. Uh, next. Bravely default. Everyone buy Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition so they'll port Xenoblade yeah. Chronicles X. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I Jeff, think that, I know you had some thoughts on Xenoblade. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so. One of the things that I was pretty thrilled by was that Xenoblade Chronicles was not available uh, beyond the, like, the, the you said the 3DS, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, the um, new 3DS, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 You we had, had to have, have the, the like, fancy, the one with the better the new processor. fancy yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that, like, as a, like, I'm a Zeno fan. I'll just, I'll just go ahead and say that. I, I, I got on board with Zeno Gears because I'm like, you know what? Evangelion was too Freudian. Give me my Jung and Nietzsche. Thank you very much. <laughs> what, what about, like, a Xenoverse? A Xenoverse 2. Right, right, exactly. Um, and so. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> so, the train is not changing the tracks. <laughs> Let's talk about Dragon Ball. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) So the idea of having uh, Xenoblade Chronicles on like a a modern console that you can actually play it on and see it on a a larger screen than the 3DS is actually fairly exciting. Plus, what I'm hoping is with that epilogue, we start to get more of Soraya Saga's original writing sort of get back in there. And once we have Saga's writing, hopefully we can sort of start to move forward with the kind of pieces that ended up getting truncated with the whole mess that was Xenosaga episode three, um, where randomly Jesus and Mary Magdalene was there. It's a long story. I should play That's, those. It sounds like too. a Japanese RPG. That sounds like the kind of Japanese RPG bullshit that I want to experience too. Yeah, it, it's, it's. I never bonkers. got into that series, but it's. Well, you know what? Um, if you ever have any lore questions, I'm let your you know. Person. All right. <laughs> I don't even know how you would play the original Zeno Gears at this point. We're gonna come to this podcast in a year, and Pat's gonna be on like our third episode of him talking for an hour about Zeno Gears. <laughs> Zeno Gears is the the only platform the original Zeno Gears is on is the original PlayStation. There is no other way Well to when play the PlayStation it. 5 is backwards compatible. Exactly. I'll just yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. Uh sorry. Uh, anyway. All right. So uh other games people are excited about oh, from this direction. I'll try Bravely Default too. Yeah I'm excited for yeah. that. I I, that demo's out. I haven't played. I haven't picked the demo, but uh, I really want to go back and play the other Bravely games plus this one, um, mostly because I'm still in a constant state of like Octopath Traveler to when. So <laughs> this might scratch that itch for me. Uh, interestingly, they're doing the same thing they did with Octopath, which is putting out the demo and then taking feedback yeah. and to use to adjust um, the experience. I did not end up caring for Octopath enough to fully finish it, but it seemed like them taking the feedback did make it a better game. The original, um, I liked 
Octopath, but also it wasn't, it didn't grab me in the same way that it grabbed you, Allison, but Bravely Default was, I was really into that mm. original one. I actually didn't finish it, but I did play like 60 or 70 hours of it. Um, and it's pretty good. Yeah. So I still can't believe they made a game called Bravely Second yep. and that's and then, not the, the and then Bravely Default too. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, yep. <laughs> It's like some Nomura shit. Uh, Ring fit. It's weird that King's Bounty 2 is coming out on the Switch. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was like, the biggest head scratcher for me of the whole thing. You know, the sequel to the 1990, what was it 1990? Like, it's yeah, old. It's it, yeah. old. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 30 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. There wasn't a ton of other stuff that yeah. I found that exciting, well, but it was a smattering I'll, of things. I'll check out the Ring Fitted update, but other than that. Uh, most people will not because they still can't buy it. (laughs) Um, I think, uh, the, Oh, Oh, pod racer. That's what you're, yeah, we're missing the most important thing. Star Wars racer is now available on the Nintendo switch, which makes means that the switch has finally found its killer app more Um, or less fog. Hopefully more. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, the PC version looked way nicer than the N64 version. So is that, is that an improvement that. or a... There's less oh, fog. So do you want it to look more like the N64 or more no, like the PC version? No, I want it to look more okay. like the PC version. No, n- N64 version, that was like... It's it's honestly one of my most nostalgic games I want for me. So I'm like in VR, mm. so I can... Yeah, now this oh. is pod racing. Hell yeah. VR pod racing games should happen. The fact that it has not happened oh God, yet is deeply upsetting, but it's because of the, the, uh, maybe now that the, the last Star Wars movie is out and it sucks, we can get back to like Star Wars. <laughs> we can get back to suck, good Star good. Wars. Man. Yeah. Episode one. Good Star Wars sounds good. Dude, I would watch episode one 10,000 times before I watched the rise of Skywalker again. <laughs> you have no idea. Honestly. <laughs> I don't disagree. (laughs) Episode one is significantly better than The Rise of Skywalker. Also, I feel like... Big big Daddy Boss Nass. The thing about episode one, too, is that there are just so many memes, and it's so... Like, I have no issue with watching it to just be like... Do you think they could ever... Do you think they could ever make an episode one, too? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what is yeah, this final fantasy yeah. i hope that would be so much i'd be so much more interested in that but they'd have to bring lucas back to do it that honestly it would probably be an improvement anyway <laughs> I mean, isn't that like clone wars <laughs> you know what you know what's interesting is so i've been watching a lot of uh, well i won't make this too long with tension but i've been watching a lot of westworld and catching up on it um, and I really like Westworld, it turns out. Um, and uh, I didn't realize until I was almost finished with the first season that that's Jonathan Nolan and uh, and J.J. And, uh, Abrams who produced the show. Mm-hmm. And it made me just realize that, like, J.J. Abrams is such a better producer than he is a director. Like, let let that dude produce all day, but keep him away from actually sitting behind the camera. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Well... Uh, unless anyone else has any thoughts on this Nintendo Direct Mini, means there could still be a full one yep. lurking around the we're corner wait, anytime. We're now. waiting for N- Nintendo Direct Mickey now. No, <laughs> I'm not gonna get Disney now. breathing down our necks. <laughs> that's you know what you're right. Kingdom Hearts. They need to announce the Kingdom Hearts oh, game. God. That's we know is in development. Actually, 
it's oh my being God. made. No, it there has was to be made. some interview. I think it was in Famitsu. No, it wasn't Famitsu. It was in some recent like article that came out. It was an interview with Nomura and he was talking about like the Verum Rex stuff from Kingdom Hearts 3 and how he like wants to build Hell that yeah. out. Hell yeah. Um, and that was like based on Final Fantasy versus 13. And, of course it oh was. God. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, so uh, I, I've, I was seeing all this on like Twitter chat through like people reading a translated article or like, yeah, I don't know, man. I still haven't played Kingdom Hearts, the, the, that DLC for Kingdom Hearts 3. I need to do yeah, that. Me neither, me neither. And I don't think I will. Uh, I don't want you to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Chris Edgerton and I could just talk about Kingdom Hearts by ourselves i I could talk about it i guess i don't uh, want to hear your opinions anymore (laughs) that's fair uh well oh my you can hear my opinions about uh games done quick postponing summer games done quick which normally takes place in july uh i don't did they have a a location picked already they must have said yeah i'm sure i can't remember where it is but i imagine so uh, but they have uh, delayed it into August, just a month long delay, um, but probably smart because nobody knows when the shelter in place stuff is going to end quarantine, when it'll be like really safe to travel. Yeah, it might get postponed again. It might get canceled. Uh, but in the meantime, probably. I it won't get canceled. It'll just end up like what they're doing in April, which is an online event uh, for coronavirus relief. I can't remember the exact charity, but they're going to be doing a online only speedrunning event uh, for coronavirus relief. Yeah, which is good. So, yeah, that's uh, really good. Yeah. Is there, what are the dates on that? Does anyone have April sometime? I don't remember. Uh, let's see if I can pull it up here. I'm looking as well. Uh, uh, April 17th to 19th. I, okay. April 17th to 19th. Uh, sadly, sorry, Allison. Uh, there will be. There will be no uh, Resident Evil 3 run yet, at least not uh, the new Resident Evil 3, because submissions close the day before it comes out, and no one will have had time to actually run it and try and speed run it yet. So, yeah. It's but uh, live, I assume by summer lot, that'll be. Live speed run. Yeah. Uh, that would uh, blind blind run, <laughs> so you can do it the fast. Blind race. Yes. That would be the oh, thing to see. Um, but I, I am, I played that demo. I'm very excited about that game. Uh, cause they have, they changed the mechanics enough, but from two to, uh, make it actually like exciting again. So that's neat. Anyway, uh, next, I think maybe you can speak to this, Alex hacker stole the Xbox sex source code. Uh, I think it's the graphics code specifically and put a ransom on it for a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Basically someone, some hacker got in there and was like, Oh shit, look at all this proprietary code I have from AMD stuff. Uh, Yeah. So now they're like talking to AMD and Microsoft being like, Hey, if you guys don't want this released, Pay me a hundred million dollars. That's literally it. It was posted on GitHub. Oh, was it? I didn't see that part. I I believe they posted it. It was posted on GitHub and then removed, but also like posted some other places. It's Uh, bizarre. I don't really know what they can. I guess proof or something. I don't really know why that matters because SDKs will be out there in a couple months anyways. Uh, Yeah. AMD was like, there's nothing like 
there's no trade secret stuff in yeah, there. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it not, like, seems like a weird valuable. thing to really ransom for that much. Well, I mean, if you think you've got something that they don't want out there, but then yeah, if but shoot lower, like, <laughs> I would have yeah. been like, tell you what, like a million dollars. And then Microsoft's just like, eh, yeah, whatever. Uh, AMD is in a weird spot. I don't know if weird spot, but they're in like a competitive position again. And supposedly their next graphic stuff is supposed to be pretty good. People are saying <laughs> it's supposed to be the NVIDIA killer. Doesn't uh, have but, anything on knows. DLSS 2.0. They have DLSS 3.0. Who knows? Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a weird story. I don't think it, it's going to matter. Like, yeah, I don't it, think like it I said, either, in, in a few months, SDKs are going to be out there, and that's basically what the SDK is. And anyone can get access to an SDK. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. <laughs> um, next up, we've got Sega's 60th anniversary on Wednesday. No, it was. Is that, it was this previous Wednesday. It was. It was so, Sega's 60th anniversary. Happy, happy 60th anniversary. I want all, all y'all's uh, favorite Sega memories. Um, Space Channel 5. <laughs> Not having to have a Sega system. Damn. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I like Fantasy Star just fine. Uh, Fantasy Star 4. The whole thing. Okay, 4. Wow. Okay. Allison? Uh, Going to somebody's house as a kid and being desperately jealous that they had a Dreamcast, which in hindsight is very funny. I I do have a real one, and that's that at my dentist office when I was a kid, they had a, a... um, Genesis, I guess it was, and I played The Lion King on it from start to finish one time, and that was fun. I had a uh, Game Gear and religiously played the oh, game Surf Ninjas. Damn. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good I, game. I, <laughs> okay. Take your All word right. for that. 50 AA uh, batteries later. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, am a fan of the the Japanese Sega Saturn commercials with Sega to Sanchiro. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's got real good music. Uh, you should look those up. Uh, there's like a 10-minute compilation of all of them. There's one of them. It's like Christmas morning. All these kids are like, oh, it's Santa. He's here. And then he rips off his mask and it's Sega to Sanchiro. And he like, they're like, I want a skateboard. I want a uh, stuffed animal. He's like, no, you get a Sega. <laughs> I don't want this. It's like, it's just like a guy in like a karate gi or like you know, some sort of gi. And he's just like beating people up and there's explosions behind him. It's very like eighties, nineties, whatever the Saturn was. I don't know. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, very good. 80s. <laughs> I don't know. Well, when was the Saturn out? Uh, it know. was. It was like the like PlayStation. Yeah, it was like the same time as the PlayStation. Then, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Dream. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So nineties. Uh. Anyway, our last news story of the week is uh, Epic Games using that Fortnite money once again. Uh to branch out more in the world of games they're becoming a they're starting a publishing wing yeah uh they have like they've like bought studios like was it people can fly but now uh Mm. they're just doing publishing with some pretty attractive terms it sounds like yeah Um, i think that's the thing that makes this exciting to me i'm not like alex and i talked about this a little bit i'm wary of epic in general 100 percent um But at the same time, like they're courting partners that I really like um, between 
play dead and remedy in particular. And then um, gen design is also a cool get. And the fact that, that the studios retain IP is ownership is like the part to me. That's that makes this actually very exciting because um, I would love to see what a studio like remedy does with a lot of funding when they can like hold on to the IP. Um, Mm -hmm. I say as a Alan Wake fan who, you know, maybe we'll finally get some more closure on that soon, but uh, it was a long time with none of that. Um, And so, yeah. And then like the, the revenue sharing seems like it's better terms than most studios, than most publishers offer. So, so they have, they fully fund the project with development, uh, salary, market expense, QA, localization, and publishing and then once those costs are all recouped, it's 50-50, at least 50-50 uh, percent uh, profit sharing. Uh, so suppose like people like Rami Ismail were on Twitter saying this is actually a pretty sick deal um, yeah. for the profit sharing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so It seems interesting. I also am slightly wary because I worry that yes. I worry if Epic becomes the next Activision or Ubi or EA. But like then again, mm-hmm. EA partners when that was a thing, they actually did pretty well by their their partners as well. Yeah. So uh, I hope this is like that, but better. Yeah, nice. and they, they're saying full creative freedom and ownership. So yeah. like, make your game, we'll fund it. Uh, they're probably being like, you know, they're like taking pitches, obviously, and like, okay, yeah, we think this will do well. But uh, I think part of my reason for being excited about this too is like my bias is pretty, like there were rumors going around that Sony was looking at Remedy and the idea of a, of Sony buying Remedy is just like devastating to me <laughs> um, because that's a studio that I think their independence is like so vital to mm-hmm. the stuff that they make um, at this point. And um, I would hate to see them locked up by a platform holder, at least with Microsoft, you, they, their games go more places, but like, knowing that like, Oh, if I want to play more remedy games, I'm going to have to keep buying playstations would have sucked. So I think it's exciting to see this announcement specifically for those studios in particular. Cause they were all kind of like yeah. ones you could see Sony acquiring. Uh, and so they announced uh remedy is said they're working on two games, both in the same like space. One is like a smaller project though, like same, I same franchise. I, I don't know exactly what they said. Quantum break two, two. games. <laughs> and Quantum Break 2.5 <laughs> Quantum Break 2 Quantum and Bra- the TV show Quantum Break 2 2 Play Dead creators of Limbo and Inside have also been teasing a new game hey that'll come out uh, in another I, 10 I, years I, then you know what I'd love uh, to see Play Dead do which, which sex doll manufacturer <laughs> are they going to partner with again <laughs> this time well they already have uh, why, why wouldn't they just go back to real doll uh, um, you know maybe uh, Play, play. I want to see. Remember play that dead. got delayed. Maybe that was like a bad. Uh, did that thing ever come yeah. out? Yeah, it what? came out. Yeah, right? it did. Yeah. It did. It was, it was. It was the flesh ball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which um, of course it was. Yeah. Like it, it couldn't have been anything else. But. Oh yeah, we knew that it was. That's what it was going to be. Um, I was still like, I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to feel it? It's <laughs> 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 that guy from uh, Rogue One who wants to touch Jabba. <laughs> 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 um no i think it would be fun to see play dead do something that's like actually like happy and, oh that's not gonna happen yeah, I, 
That'd be I, weird, I would like actually. To, I don't need to see them do something happy, but I would like to see something outside of that 2D platformer space. I yeah, would like to see them like too. take a take Oh, they could make tack. a cool VR game. Mm. Sure. I'm sure that's not what they're doing with this deal, but, but that would be cool. I, I would like to see them. I mean, there's no VR section on the uh Epic No, it's not. Yet, that's so. not. Epic would not be publishing something VR. But. Yeah. Uh, but I would, I, I just want to see them get out of that space just to do something different. I think sure. inside was very good. I didn't care for limbo, but, um, I see it's funny. I like limbo and inside just didn't, it, mm-hmm. yeah, didn't do it for me. Different strokes, different folks. Yeah. Uh, and then gen design <laughs> talk about games. We won't see for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, gen design is, uh, headed up by Fumito Ueda, the creative director of The Last Guardian, yep. and like the Team Eco Games, I believe is the general, uh, his general history. It takes so, time to harvest the trauma necessary for those games. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, those are the first three they've announced, and probably the last three games that will come out uh, before the heat death of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't think it's going to be the heat death of the universe. Just the, 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 the pandemic death of us all. Yep. Um, Sooner than you yeah. think. Um, <laughs> I wonder what yep. other studios would be cool. Like I would like to see what um, that game company would do under them. Cause like, I feel like that game company hasn't shown up anywhere recently. Well, they made the that sky game. Was that sky? Yeah. Oh, did they? Non combat. Yeah. Uh, Destiny like looter. Looter. It, it's, a, it's a it's a looter flyer yeah it's a looter glider i never saw that uh, it's on it's a phone a game. glooter oh. it's a glooter oh yeah but it's coming Sky. to switch yeah, so right. you can play it on switch it's it, yeah. it actually is kind of cool but also um i don't know it felt <laughs> like journey a lot to me fair enough uh, yeah i didn't see so. that one my bad i've um, not understood why there's loot in that game i haven't touched it though so uh um yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think like uh generally these kinds of of sort of steeped in mystery studios are the ones that are going to work best for this this kind of deal, I think, because yeah. the ability to kind of go dark and work on something without needing to de- generate a media cycle for it in the same way that studio that publishers like ea and uh, 2k and activision ask for you, is pretty cool uh yeah i think you want to generate a media thing you don't need to do it like six months in advance or that's what i mean though for, is yeah, yeah yeah okay you don't need to do like the big e3 splashy presentation but no right that's what i'm saying is like it'll be cool. Corey, and you don't have to go around to like venture capitalists and investors yeah, you can just yeah oh. Um, so, and drum yeah. up retail and what stuff like that. Like, like this, this remedy game can get like detailed and fleshed out and then come out a month later, potentially, you know, yeah. um, which is neat. Okay. So they bring back Silicon Knights and Dennis Dyack. Oh God, don't know. <laughs> Three humans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. I'd cut somebody for Legacy of Kane. Oh yeah. That, oh, yeah. Oh that's a good, that's, that would be a good 100%. get. I, um, every, every year uh, when our E3 predictions come around, I say Soul Reaver. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And that would be, it, that would it be good. It doesn't happen. That Crystal, Dy- was it Crystal Dynamics? Yeah. Is that the studio? Uh, they, they tweeted out like a picture of Kane. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Or, yeah. And they were like, hey, Amy Hennig. And Amy, wanna, yeah. I think they might have been Reaver? literally trying to fish for Amy Hennig on Twitter and she just didn't take Wait, the is bait. She at, is she at Stadia? Where is she? She went somewhere. I think she's at she's at Google, yeah. 
She's at one of their their internal studios, which well, means that we'll never see her yeah, that's write another pro- uh, pro- yeah. project until Stadia closes in a year. Um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, I also um, I had one. Now it's now it's left me. Uh, Rip. Another good epic get. An epic. No, I can't remember who it was. Epic. epic get. An epic. <laughs> yeah. An epic get. It'll come back to me. Hopefully, maybe. Uh, uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2, steal it from Ubisoft. <laughs> Speaking of games that'll never yeah. come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Epic should publish Star Citizen. That's amazing. Oh, God. <laughs> Just that spend all the it, Fortnite money. 100, 100% of the revenue, or 100% of development covered, that game would never I'm, come out. Chris Roberts, it's not going Chris to Roberts anyway. is doing just uh, fine. <laughs> uh, you know what? Studio Zom. Studio Zom is that what it is? is uh, the the Disco Elysium people. Oh, oh, Zom? yeah, Zom? yeah. Give them uh, money, was, yeah. please. That would be Zaum, whatever it was. Yeah, I know what you mean. Zom, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be really cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would say studios like Double Fine and Obsidian, but but they got bought. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Bungie. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> what's the team that made Xeno Clash? Can you can you imagine? Oh yeah, yeah. The the I'm scrolling through my all the way to the bottom of my Steam library. <laughs> uh, they have that cool looking game about rolling coming out. What? Ace team? Yeah, Ace there team. We go. Rock of Ages. You mean? No, there is <laughs> a game about rolling. That is also a game about rolling, but it's a game where you like. Soul Seraph? Like, oh, I'm, I found no, it. The no. Eternal Cylinder. The Eternal Cylinder. It's about <laughs> oh. yeah. It's a game where there's like this this eter, this eternal cylinder Fuck. that rolls across the face of the planet, and you're this little like like it looks like the um crap. What's the um like legs and a and a round mouth? Um, Kirby. No, not Kirby. <laughs> Mike was out. Uh, like Mike Wazowski. <laughs> sort of. Anyway, you you're trying to like outrun the cylinder. It looks like it's a survival game, but you have to keep moving all the time because there's it's an endless runner, giant oh, sort of. There's like this giant storm chasing you all the that time. Sounds, that's created by this massive it's a battle royale. Perfect for that team. I love it. It's the, you should look up the trailer. It looks awesome. Eternal it's so cylinder. weird. All right. Well, uh, anyways, anyways that's everyone's yeah. homework. Give them money. Make the eternal cylinder quadruple A. <laughs> Uh, Fortnite featuring the eternal cylinder yeah there's your homework go watch the trailer for the eternal cylinder Uh, we are going to wrap up this episode Uh, watch (laughs) B-Stars I guess this game looks so cool Uh, make sure your parents aren't in the room Uh, that's going to do it for episode 114 on March 28th 2020 it's uh, been a pleasure talking to you all. Yeah, thanks for having uh, me on. Yeah, thank you for joining. Yeah, thanks thanks thank you for you joining us, Jeff. Uh, yeah. Anytime you're wanting to talk about games, we'd be happy to have you. Aww, yeah, thank you. We do it the same time, same place, virtually. <laughs> you turned um, me into Linda Belcher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can people find you if they want to uh, hear your thoughts or read your thoughts or whatever? Like social media or anything? Oh, sorry. You're asking. <laughs> <laughs> we were all laughing when you said, where can people oh, find so, you? Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, where, yeah, uh, Jeff, where can uh, people uh, yeah. find your thoughts and so, stuff if they want that? Um, you can find me most consistently on Twitter, uh, at Stranger Peace. 
So that's peace, P-E-A-C-E. Um, so at Stranger Peace, um, I'm actually also cooking up uh, a podcast in the next couple of weeks because I'm horrifically bored and trapped. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that is a, a big mood. <laughs> right. So uh, there might be some stuff uh, up there, too. So, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, you can find the Gaming Fix podcast at Fix Podcasts on Twitter and wherever fine podcasts are sold. Uh, leave us a review if your podcast platform of choice uh, allows that. I think I uh, said it last week, too, but also just make an iTunes account and leave a review there. Damn yeah. it. <laughs> Uh, it's very helpful. I, I think we've got five stars on We're iTunes. We're too nice actually. about this. Um, you can find it's me. Free. You can find me, Andre Cole, aka your partner's favorite work from home tip, on Twitter at Coolslaw C O O L S L four W. Pat, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at PJC Plays. And Allison. You can find me on Twitter at W-R-I-T-E-R-S-E-R-E-N-Y-T-Y. And Alex. On Pornhub.com slash user slash C-O-O-L-S-L-4-W. So, cool. And that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks, everyone, for joining me. And thanks for listening. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.